And now, introducing the man who scanned and uploaded all of his homework assignments from elementary, grade, and high school in efforts to, quote, document the intellectual progression of one of the world's most impressive minds, unquote, even though his donation has been rebuffed by all museums and academic societies. In preparation for his first dose of the vaccine, he insists his regiment of 14 raw eggs, half a brick of Velveeta, and six Flintstone vitamins are, quote, more than enough to counteract any side effects and should only boost my immune response, unquote. He is Glenn Clark. Good morning from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio Press Box. It is Glenn Clark Radio. Chesapeake Employers Insurance is your workers' compensation insurance specialist. I'm Glenn Clark. He's Kyle Ottenheimer. We're here. We've got a pretty good amount of things to do today. Coming up in just a few minutes, we know that uh, Justin Houston visits the Baltimore Ravens today, as first reported by our friend, the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard. And so we need to find out a little bit more about Justin Houston and whether or not he actually is worth signing. We're going to chat with Stephen Holder, who covers the Colts for the Athletics, in just a few minutes. For the Athletic. That's what I said. You said the Athletics. I didn't. I said the Athletic. Look, I'm not here to start this so early. I, 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 know, <laughs> right. I know what you think. That's fair. I definitely said the Athletic. Look, That's, I heard what I heard. I know what you heard. And you said what you said. I didn't. I said what I said. I know what you said. I know what you think you heard. <laughs> I also you will point out that. that it's a beautiful, lovely new jacket you're wearing that still has a tag on your neck. Doesn't I don't care about that. Why would I care about that? It's Brian a fashion gave statement. Brian Pell gave me this. Although, how much pull does Bill Belichick have at Navy? Enough that like he manages to get. It's I didn't even Is know this hooded? when I put it on. Is it hooded? Yeah, it's hooded. Yeah. So it's a Belichick special. It's it's insane. Well, it's a it's a lacrosse. See now when I pulled the hood up, the tag got annoyed. For lacrosse, I could see the value. You of, know of what a windbreaker, but still hot enough for you don't want your sleeves. Yeah, but I didn't there. know that today when I put the, the jacket on. This I thought I was putting the jacket on. For it. I think this is a good day for that. It might turn out to be, but it wasn't this morning when I left. I think it you're was doing annoying. Fine. I was chilly. I didn't care for that. And I love the work the athletics is, are doing for the, for Nobody the journalist said it, world. It didn't, that's not a thing. That didn't occur. You think that somebody said that. I will that. wait to see what the, 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 the Twitter population Christ. says. Um, anyway, we'll talk about Justin Houston as he visits the Ravens today. Also coming up later on this hour, Bill Ordeen is going to join us from Gambling.com. Uh, last night of the legislative se- session, last night, I guess that's redundant, but the last night means two different things. It was the final night of the legislative session last night. What? Are they, how do you pronounce it? They call it scene, scene dot. I don't even know how to. I've seen this word a thousand times. What is the spell out? S I N E and then D I E. And I don't know if it's sign die, scene die. I don't know. It's it's yeah, not. Yeah, no, I'm not gonna. It's not a. Uh, I was hoping there would be something I could offer. Yeah, you. No, you have nothing to offer. Yeah. I don't know why you. Would Some think stuff that. like vor dire. What? Vor dire. What that's is that? One, that's another law. What is it? It's when you have to like prove something right. as a. Well, that, that's it's like you have to. It's that's like just a, a word. This is like a. This is a term that it's comes the end from, of it. from it's Latin. elsewhere. It's definitely yes, Latin. It's right. almost certainly yeah. Latin. Yeah. Um, Never learned that language. But it's the, it, it was the final night of the session last night, and among the things that did get done is they officially passed this sports wagering bill. Now, obviously, we already knew sports wagering was coming to the state of the Maryland, to the state of Maryland, because it passed on the ballot. What we didn't know is what sports wagering would look like in the state of Maryland. And things got wild. Let's put it this way. We're holding out hope that we might be able to get 
a chance to host some sports betting it's here at Clark Radio. It's not impossible, and we might want to <laughs> take a look right now. Um, the state of Maryland passed a bill that will permit as many as 60, 60 online operators. So presumably, all of them. So why couldn't we? I, I mean, I don't really know if I'm being <laughs> yeah. honest And 30 retail sports books that can either be at a casino yeah. or could be at a stadium or even a small business. There aren't 30 well, there's casinos. not 30 casinos. But there's racetracks. There's racetracks. There's sports, sports stadiums. stadiums. And they said, again, small businesses. And studios. Which I would assume means, like, if, if, if we asked, it's... And we, were, we have, I don't know. We'd have to compete. We'd have to probably talk about We'd that, have to compete for a permit. I don't if know. If it's, it's like an American it's Gladiators competition, we should um, have a chance. The, the word is that the governor will sign this, and this will become the law, so we will find out more from Bill Ordeen. What it all means is he's been covering sports betting in Maryland for like a thousand years. Not not saying he's a thousand years old, but for as long as this has been a topic, he's been covering it. And then later on in the show, begrudgingly, we're going to have Dave Parker on the program, uh, uh, one of an iconic baseball player um, who's lived a fascinating life. Boy, his new book, Cobra, I've been diving into in recent days, and it is absolutely you you know a lot of the Dave Parker stories because you remember him being you know associated with the Pittsburgh drug trials and you remember hearing stories, but he so casually like references. He'd be talking about some other topic, and he'd be like, "Yeah," and then this lady invited me to join the Mile High Club, and then like it just goes on. It's it's unbelievable how casual it is. Um, Dave Parker lived a life. Now, part of that, unfortunately, was that he beat the Orioles in the 79 World Series, which sucks. But, for example, apparently the Orioles were the first ever team to scout Dave Parker. That's neat. Why they let him slip into the 14th round of the the MLB draft, don't know. That made no sense, but we'll talk to Dave Parker about that. A lot of local connections. And um, then we'll talk about some of the news of of more recent time, obviously the All-Star game, things along those lines. He is certainly qualified to discuss some of those topics. So that's all that's coming up on the program today. No baseball last night. Didn't seem to rain that much where I was. Um, it was pretty consistently raining. It wasn't like pouring, but I it never was heard consistently rain raining. Once, and that's how I determine how hard it's raining. It's weird. Is it though? I mean, it was consistently, there was definitely water coming from the sky. Now, well, like, is it. It's up for debate. Is there a world in which maybe you. Like, for example, if it was the fourth night of the series and the they Mariners were weren't coming back, could they have maybe attempted to play? Perhaps. Or if it was later in the season and I they guess. didn't I'd, have any yeah, more on the I, don't, I don't know, but when you can just play a doubleheader tomorrow night, it seems to be that that would be what you would want to do. I was pretty disappointed. Were you? This was a big one for me. Okay, well, that's just too bad, pal. <laughs> uh, so the Orioles will play too. I, I know that there are still people... I, here's what I'll give you. If you're someone who hates the tenth inning thing, I I I'm completely. You're nuts. You're insane. You you are you are literally deciding that you just hated something for the hate of sake. The sake of I don't know what's happening today. Hate hate of sake for the something. hate of saking. It. Hate of sake. That one I see. That one actually happened. That's the problem with you calling out ones that you think Look, happened. I will literally. You, you're wrong. I would bet you a couple bucks you're wrong. that you said athletics. You're wrong. This one actually happened for the sake care. of hating. This it. is a quick one. We could check this one. We could actually check I'm, this one. I, it's I, real quick. We're, we're going to do this show. No, I'm aware. We're going to do the show life. is what we're going to do. For the sake of hating it, there's nothing to hate about the extra inning rule. The doubleheader thing, I... Are they still doing seven innings? Oh, yeah. They're still doing seven I'm innings. not a fan of that. I am... What is this? Little League? It's a tough thing for me because I think... 
I think what they're really saying is this makes it easier for us to get teams to agree to play doubleheaders. But like, whereas if last night's game had been rained out, it might have been trickier for the two teams if they had. Like, well, we got an off day in July, and we'll just we'd, play. We kind of rather on, figure out a way right. to play a game at some other point, and instead they can just get it over with. Look, we're gonna play two seven inning doubleheaders, and this will be done. Or two, or two seven inning games. Are they gonna would they would they call that a complete game? I guess legally it would be. I don't I don't know. I don't know if it's come up yet. But I guess legally speaking, it would be because I think if a game gets rained out after six innings and a pitcher pitched all six innings, it counts as a I mean, complete look, game. We don't have to worry. Gotta about be honest that. with you. Yeah, who cares? So we'll Is spend Bruce no more time because he could do it. No, you're so obsessed with Bruce Zimmerman. That dude throws ten Dean, pitches an inning on the Dean, reg. Dean Kramer and uh, John Means are pitching two games today for the Orioles. So there's I think a chance. It goes, I think it's out of order. I think Means pitches. The so first you're saying game. there's a chance? Yeah, Means could certainly do it. That's totally possible. He's actually a pitcher. Oh, that's real funny, um, Glenn. I'm, what are you doing? <laughs> what is this bit? Struggling enough today, clearly. I don't know what that's all about. I'm clearly struggling. It's my finger. By the way, do we have any doctors that are listening? I have a... a What'd you do? I, I don't know. For like four days now, this finger has been infected. Is it around the nail? Yeah, it's right so around the nail. it an ingrown nail. nail, probably? Maybe, but like... Did you it, bite your nails at some point and get that little bit too much in the cuticle going? I don't, I don't remember doing that, but I actually bit my nails. I'm really mad about that. I stopped biting my nails a year ago, and I was really excited about that. Except that every now and then, like You're when still, they get too long, oh no, it's, it's a I'll, I'll do that bit. Yeah. And last night I did it, and I get mad at myself the next day. So then, do it. are you talking but about tender or all over the finger? Or I'm talking just about by the like nail? if I touch something, it is scorching like pain. Like even skin, just skin or nail doesn't like, matter. I can't type with this finger right now. You might have something in there. I'm nervous about that. That's what I was trying to tell my wife last night. By the way, she tried to pop it. Oh, that's fun. That's oh good my! Idea. I wanted to. Yeah, that's a good one. Like it, I, we, I've never been in a situation where I I thought I was going to squeal, but like it was. No, that's not. That's one of those things where it's like you shouldn't, you shouldn't what trust the other person. Yeah, to have any idea. Yeah, no concern whatsoever. And they always think you're making it a bigger deal yeah, than it is. Not at all. I had not a, at all. I had a shard hell. of wood. Yeah. In my leg. Okay, that from doesn't seem great. When I was breaking great. down a chair, right? right? I was breaking down a chair for my girlfriend because she was like getting rid of it and we had to uh-huh. recycle it or something. I'm breaking it down the wrong way, mind you. Yeah. And I did it to a way where the shard, literally. Not great. I got splinters like visibly yes. in my leg. So yeah. I sit down to extricate the splinters right. that are sticking out. It's a big, big piece. I'm like, this is not fun. I get some of it out and what I think to be some of it. Like, I'm pretty sure I get what I can see out, but I, I know that this is not situated on my leg for me to be mm, able to really okay. see. So my girlfriend sits down, and I'm like, here, please help. I have more in there. Oh, I can just oh tell. She's, like, digging around with pliers. Okay, I don't, this is starting to make me queasy. And now. she's like, I got it all. I got it all. And I'm like, no, you, I mean, I'm not sure you did. Yeah. I'm not sure you oh, did. A week no, later, no, thank you. some wood came out. Oh, thank you. I will pass wholeheartedly on any of that. It wasn't man. fun. Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, she tried to do that. She tried to pop it last night, and it was such hellacious pain. So I'm apparently supposed to stick my hand in warm water for like 15 minutes four times a day until Yeah, it's soaking it to happens. like soften it. It's the idea that if something's like, in there, it's like to draw the whatever oh the, the God, problem stuff so, is out. So gross. And I gotta do you learn- use that finger? Yeah, it's pretty important for typing. <laughs> it's been awkward learning to type. Although, by the way, at this point, if I lose the finger, I'd actually be capable of typing with the others. So, well, yeah, uh, nine is a fine. Yeah. Once you get to eight, though. I mean, isn't that, that there's somebody else that had? Uh, an, I'm trying to think of. There's something I'm trying to think of. Eh, whatever. There was a pitcher that had eleven fingers. Yes. Who was that? Was that Ugi Urbina? Yes. Or was that Antonio Alfonseca? I, I think it was Alfonseca. 
I always get the two of them confused for some reason. I don't know why. I get the two of them confused constantly, and it makes no sense. So the moral of the story is Welcome. no idea. I don't know how we got to this point. The Orioles are playing a doubleheader today against the Mariners starting at 4 o'clock. They and there's going to be a couple of complete games. I'm going to guess probably not the case. Just my guess is that there will not be any complete games. How mad games. do you think Jim Palmer is that that counts as a complete game? Well, I don't we don't we still don't know if it actually does. If you it have does. To start with that. If we it does. We don't actually know that it does. Well, in the world it does. I'm sure Do you he think there's a lot I'm of sure pitchers that like, are like I don't think a lot of baseball people like the 7 inning doubleheader thing to begin that. with. Like, and that's I have far more credence for the people that don't like the 7 inning doubleheader thing than I do some of the other things that we've been screaming about. It it seems well, unnecessary. It's fundamentally altering the construct of the game. Yes, although both teams are playing by the same rules. It's, again, not like one team. It's not unfair to one of the team or the other. They both know going into the game, you've got well, seven innings unfair. to do. How is it unfair? Well, the Orioles don't have pitchers. Right. So, so you're giving them less time to try to put together big run innings to win it. Okay, but there's less innings for their pitchers to give up big runs. Mm. Dude, there's it's not inherent. What I don't know what this bit. It wasn't even a real one. It's but it's a bad bit. Regardless, (laughs) it's a bad bit. I just think it's it's more. It doesn't anger me as an Orioles fan. I'm not. It's not Kyle the Orioles fan who's upset about a seven inning game. It's Kyle the baseball fan. Yeah, but I don't. But I am struggling with what part actually bothers me. Right? It It, bothers me that there's supposed to be a way that it, it would be like the NBA playing eight minute quarters. Like this is what we did in high school. But if they were playing again, it's one thing that if they were playing one baseball game today and they're playing it for seven innings, of course we would all know that would be absurd. We all know what they're doing, and we get the reason why they're doing it to an extent, at least. And and I got it say, last year. I understood well, last I year. I particularly understood it last year. But even this year, where you're trying to limit unnecessary travel, um, where the idea that you could find a day later on in the season that both teams have an off have an, have an off day on that day. But that doesn't explain why they couldn't have just played nine innings to me. I mean, they don't want to play nine inning double headers anymore. I mean, I, I don't I don't know how to say this otherwise. They they don't want to do that to pitching staffs any longer. They no longer want to make teams have to play eighteen innings of baseball on one day. It they they find it to be extreme and unnecessary and they can it can cause long term effects on a ball club to ask them to come up with enough pitching to get through 18 innings in a day. I would say then come up with a rule to allow an extra pitcher. Well, they do that already. They already do that. But that's one extra pitcher is not making the difference for them. Give them five. That might be a different conversation, (laughs) as you're saying, giving as many extra pitchers as they need. But, like, you know, normal world, there's still AAA games going on. There's still – every level still needs to have players. Two of them are fans. Okay, so you just pick anybody to pitch. I'm not worked up about it. The only word I can – annoys me. I, I don't even know that it annoys. I disagree with it, but it only is out of the it feels unnecessary, and I'm not willing to sit down and really think about all of the ramifications on the other side. I feel like an old man and when how I, real they might the be. The way that I feel when I hear they don't want to play nine-inning games. Like, I understand the argument about the taxing of the bullpen and the pitching staff and like from a front office perspective like we know how many pitches pitchers are supposed to throw but it's it, not it, supposed it, to be this it short works of time hand in hand with not wanting to have 14 15 inning games anymore they, i understand they don't that. want to do this any longer there's the, the it's ultimate bad for you know, the worst thing for them was the double header where one game goes to extra well, innings. i mean that that would be right. like they've eliminated that to an extent nightmare. they've eliminated well, that could still risk. go to extra innings of course and yeah. in theory pitchers could just really do well and right. keep going but you get what i'm saying I just 
this is where I would say, and I understand, right? If it was only an argument from the players being like, we don't feel like it, then I'd be pissed. But I but it's it's not I don't know how to handle the line between It's baseball saying we no longer think this is good for the game. We no longer and, and the pandemic provides shelter in order for it to be accomplished. We no longer believe that it's good for the game of baseball to have guys on the field for 18 innings a day. Now, somebody might say, hey, 14 innings isn't all that different than 18 innings, is it? It's not, but it's less, and we all know that. We're, you know, Mr. Radcliffe taught me as much. We don't think it's good to have guys on the field for 18-plus, potentially, innings a day. That doesn't help anyone. It has a negative impact on teams a day later. It has a negative impact on teams perhaps for as much as a week for what it can do to a pitching staff. We are no longer interested oh, look, I hear you. in like, playing 18 innings of baseball a day. And frankly, I get that. I get it. It is extreme. At a time, you could charge two admissions in a lot of towns. And so why wouldn't you want to play but most cities have had enough attendance problems at this point that they realize how difficult it is to get two completely different sets of fans into a stadium on a day. Again, especially and during so COVID. And they, well, that particularly right. during COVID, but even before that, it was fewer and fewer, fewer and further in between two gates. the days where we would see split admission doubleheaders. Orioles still tried sometimes. Uh, I, you know, even on a Saturday, they did a, a, a single admission doubleheader recently. They've done well, recently they've changed, but I think within Back, the past again, three, or five, of, four years, or I maybe even. I don't even know. No, I have no proof, and I won't be able to find it. But a lot of teams used to do split admission doubleheaders because baseball, the true fans, and, correct, right. was a healthier overall sport from a ten, from an attendance standpoint. A lot of things were healthier from an attendance standpoint. Once that started to wear, there was no real argument for that any longer. And once you couldn't charge two admissions anyway, if people are paying one price, then they get 14 innings of baseball. What what would they complain about? And so why wouldn't you do the thing that's better for the game? I'm making the argument for him about something that I, again, I am less inclined to agree with. It does feel as though baseball games are supposed to be nine innings long and should be nine innings long, and they shouldn't just arbitrarily be seven innings sometimes. But the truth is, we arbitrarily have five-inning baseball games sometimes. I get it, and we but arbitrarily like final like F slash all those numbers indicated that there was rain, right? Like that something I understand, happened in the but game. We, got, but we still played the game and called it, I get it. before they played nine I innings. I get it, but you're not agreeing entering the game saying, all right, this is going to be a six-inning yes, one, this is going to be a five-inning one. For right? what it's worth, that is far worse than this. Because that's a scenario where a team went to bat not knowing it was their final at-bat of the game. Today, both teams are going to know it's their final at-bat of the game. I, I, I guess I might be talking myself out of this the more I go through this. I'm, Based I'm, on the established rules of baseball, this, I guess, is fine. I don't know. I mean, I don't, it's just more I don't comes down to the traditionalist it. and me to an extent. But then why aren't you bothered by games that get that rained out after six innings? Why wouldn't you say there should never be a game? It's always been rained out. But the, so that so you you're basing this on nothing. You're just no. basing you're doing the bit where it's the way it is. So I don't. Yeah, but that's you're not taking a stand for anything. For what it's worth, the that's the way it's been. So that's why it should be that way. That's not it's a thing. Still, it's still indirectly tied to romanticism about the game, right? Like you can't fully separate that as a baseball fan. The way that you grew up, the way that 
you were taught the game was supposed to happen and play out, right? Nine innings is nine innings because that's the way Major League Baseball games are played, right? Right, like, but they're not always. I understand that, but that's always been the case, right? You're not going to be able to control the weather. That's literally... But no you can the, control saying we have to play nine innings. You can control saying... Yeah. We're, we're not going to allow a game to end after six innings. We're going to play nine innings. They don't do that. That's not a thing. That's not part of the history of baseball is saying, come hell or high water, we're playing nine innings. I understand. This is a far better scenario by which to not play nine innings than the alternative. Well, it's not supposed to rain today. so I understand that. But in a scenario where perhaps they would have played last night and been rained out after five innings, there would have been teams that would have had no idea the game was going to end after five innings and might not have made the same decisions about, say, who bats and who doesn't if they had known the game was going to end after five innings. I understand your argument. Today, they'll know it. I understand your argument. I can't believe I'm talking myself into this. This is it's a just, really weird thing. It's bit. just a thing about the heart versus the brain, and the heart knows what it expects from this a baseball this game. Is, you're not and this is anything. not it. You're not, you're not saying anything. Seven innings is not what you're supposed to be doing. And I understand you talk about a rainout. It can happen. I'm not naive, and it happens, and it's part of the game. Seven innings. This games, is part of the game now. Yeah, it shouldn't be. But th- that's the part. You're just saying words. No. You're not backing it up with anything. Why not? Because you have control here. Look, one of these games could end in five innings still. Right. It could rain right. 100%. That can happen no matter how many innings you're playing if it's more than five. So that's set that aside. That's a reality of the possibility of playing games outside. Right, and you've established that you're okay with any game being a game that goes five innings. Yes. Okay, so today they're going to play more than five. Good I'm news. not okay with them deciding that's, entering the game. That the, we know entering this is going to be a seven-inning game. That's so much better than not no, knowing. It's not. Oh, my God. It's not com- It's not comparable. I like it better to not know. This is a really weird bit that we're just doing. You can just call the guests because this is going nowhere. This is a weird bit, bro. Weird bit. They're playing seven innings today. That's what they're doing. I again, I'm I'm defending it as someone who admits that I don't love it, but I I can't make a compelling argument against it because baseball has set up what they've set up over the years. Act now, beat the rush. Window Nation will give you fifty percent off every style window, bows, bays, picture and garden windows, every style, every color. Plus, get zero percent interest for eighteen months. Eight six six ninety Nation or windownation.com. Today, the Baltimore Ravens has been reported uh, in the last couple days hosting Justin Houston for a visit here in Owings Mills. Now, for what it's worth, the word is they're intending to host a number of veteran edge rushers over the course of this week, perhaps just doing some due diligence on what's left on the market. Joining us now, because we know Justin Houston is coming in for a visit, let's find out more about him. Joining us now, a man who covers the Indianapolis Colts for The Athletic. He is Stephen Holder, and he's with us here on GCR. Stephen, it's Glenn and Kyle in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Yeah, yeah, you got it. How are you guys? Everything is well. Hope you and your family are doing well in what's been a very trying year. Um, yeah. Stephen, I guess let me start with this. Generically, if the, que- if the question that Ravens fans uh, have is, you know, Justin Houston is now into his 30s, and while he's still been productive from a sack perspective, his pressures have certainly dropped off. How much does he really have left in the tank at this point? How would you answer that question? Well, I, I look at it kind of from the perspective I think the Colts are looking at it because they have continued to have dialogue with him too, but clearly nothing has happened, right? So why is that? I, I think one of the reasons is they're looking at the draft, but also because 
uh, Justin Houston is in a place where that decline is definitely in process. There's no question about that. Now, he can still be effective, and I think he still has some really good moments, uh, particularly against the run. But, yeah, it's, hmm. as, a, as a true pass rusher, yeah, I thought that in 2019, his first year here, I thought he was much more effective as a pass rusher than he was last season. Uh, so whether that's just, you know, the progression of age, I, I don't know. I don't know that there were uh, – maybe there were other factors. I don't know. But, but I would say definitely I saw a drop-off. And so I think if you're the Colts or you're anybody, you have to ask, uh, will that progression continue? And, you know, there's a good chance of that, right, with age. But, I, but again, I go back to what I said about him. I think he's still a very solid edge setter. I know that's important. Uh, in every defense, uh, including the Ravens and the way they play, so he could fill that role for them for sure and be effective in that uh, in that particular. I mean, that, area. that's very significant, in fact, to me, Stephen. Like yeah. that's you're, you're you're selling me a little bit more than I felt. Um, if, if you're saying, and, and was he was he still a three down guy then at that at this point? He did play a lot of snaps. Yeah, um, I, I think I would say. Uh, most of the time, yes. Um, there were they rotated. They do rotate a lot mm-hmm. on the Colts defense. But he can he play three downs? Yes. Now the question is going to be the difference in scheme. You know, would the, would he have to drop into coverage? And and I don't know all those answers, obviously. But but having had some familiarity from covering Chuck Pagano, I know that's something that that the linebackers have to do at times. So that's whether that's something you want him doing at this point. That I don't know. That's a different question, right? But but definitely, I think in a conventional four three defense, yeah, he could play all three downs. Whether he could do that in a three four, that's a different question. Stephen Holder from the Athletic is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. We're learning about Justin Houston, who visits the Baltimore Ravens today. So, Stephen, you, you mentioned like th- there's still a conversation going on with the Colts. I guess the question, like I, the Ravens, I can understand why they wouldn't be in a race to sign Justin Houston because they're trying to work the compensatory pick formula and. Do you really want to sign a guy a couple of weeks before that date, that May 3rd date? For the Indianapolis Colts, it's a different conversation. If they're interested, why haven't they signed him yet? Well, they're at a they're kind of at a, a turning point in their defense. You know, they they did bring in some veteran guys, but they've also drafted a lot of guys the last few years. And so they're they're at a point where those guys need to play more. Now, the, the problem is there are questions about those guys. So, so I think there's some hesitancy, right? You know, how much do you want to fall back on, on the veteran or how much do you want to kind of, you know, let these guys spread their wings? I, I think they're at a point where they may be leaning more towards saying, we need to see these guys, you know, they're, you know, how rookie contracts are, you know, you get two or three years in, you got to know what you have. Yeah. And, and on some of these guys, you know, whether it be because of injuries or just, a lack of playing time or whatever, they haven't gotten enough uh, of a look at these guys. And, and I think that's one of the conflicting factors in this whole thing. So, you know, if you bring Justin Houston back, you know, how much do you play him? How much does he take away those snaps? My argument would be I would lean toward bringing him back if I'm the close because I don't know what kind of production they're going to get from the young guys. I'm not totally sold on some of those guys. But, again, the draft is coming up. There is some edge talent in that, you know, second and third round range 
where the Colts like to work. So I, I think that's a factor as well. Steve, let me talk about the numbers, the the sack totals. But for the two things that really jump out at me about Justin Houston in particular, normally when we talk about a player of this age, we start thinking about whether or not they've been on the field. He, he, he hasn't missed a game in the last two seasons. Yeah. Um, and he's been productive. I mean, he's still been averaging over the last four years roughly 10 sacks a season. So it, when I see that the pressure numbers were down a year ago, do we do we – do we dismiss the sack number as, as being some sort of strange luck, like he was more productive? You'll hear this from analytics people, right? Like, don't don't let that sack number tell you a bigger story than what actually happened, right? He wasn't really that productive. Or is this more of a, this is a player that with age has learned how to make more of the pressures that, that he does get, and even in a, a, a lesser role, we should still expect production from him moving forward? Great question, and I think you know the answer is a little elusive because I think you know it, it would require really going through the tape and, and really combing through it. But I can tell you from having watched every snap this year, what I would say is I, I do think that he was a little less effective as a pass rusher. Okay, that that I do think was the case. So I, I do think there is some credence to to looking at the pressure numbers and 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 having that opinion that maybe there was a drop off. Now. How did he get the sacks? Well, the Colts did add the Forrest Buckner this year, so you got to factor that in. And he was every bit the all-pro that he was this year. I mean, it was the, the turnaround was unbelievable. So you think about it. You know, you have a, a, a three-tech defensive tackle who's literally playing every snap. This guy plays more snaps than any defensive tackle I've I ever mean, seen. No doubt. And right. so he's, yeah, so he's always on the field, and he collapses the pocket from the inside. So, you know, you, he does draw double teams, I would say, half the time. So, you know, he draws a lot of attention, and you're getting a lot of one-on-ones out there uh, on the edge. So, so I think that's a factor in, in why you see that imbalance. The sack number's a little higher. The pressure's lower. Uh, there is definitely – I'm not attributing all of it to – to DeForest Buckner's addition, but that is definitely a factor. Oh I mean, no, he, no he doubt. Is that much of a game changer, right? No and, the, and the Ravens have good players, and you know, Calais yeah. can't, but they don't have DeForest Buckner. Like this, right. there's there's only one other team in the league that has a player that's like that better, obviously, and Aaron Donald, and that's the list, right? Like yep. there's Aaron Donald, there's DeForest Buckner, and then that's that's about that as far as that exact type of player when it comes to, uh, to what they do. Um, you know, the, the, the other stuff, right, the, like what he brings to a defense. Some, we had this conversation a year ago when the Ravens signed Calais Campbell, and I'm not trying to, to say Justin Houston is Calais Campbell because Calais Campbell is thought of as one of the most special individuals in all of football. Um, but, but what has he done for the Colts um, otherwise, in the leadership capacity? What, what is the intangible value of having a Justin Houston on your football team? No, I think there's a lot of it. And this is a very, very small example, and I don't know how much it means, but I do think from having been around the NFL for a long time, uh, it's very telling who guys listen to uh, on the field, you know? And so the very last thing the Colts do before kickoff is at least the defense, they, they have a big defensive huddle and just the players and those guys, you know, give their, their last thoughts before kickoff. Justin Houston is the guy who runs that. And he gives his last words. He's the guy who gives them the last words before kickoff and breaks down the huddle and then it's like, all right, let's kick it off. Now, okay, very small example, probably doesn't mean much in the grand scheme, but it does, I think, speak to his place on the team. Here's a guy who came in and with, and really his first year that that was happening. I mean, he was he was a 
guy who was revered his first year in the locker room. And they were a very young team and still are. So for, for them, for the Colts, Justin Houston had a very big leadership role. And, and I think especially on the defensive line, I, I mentioned some of the younger guys they have who they're trying to bring along. I think he was really good for their growth and, and to t- also to take some of the pressure off of them on the field as well. Uh, so both on and off the field, I think his presence was really important. And you got to know, I mean, you, you got to keep in mind, you know, this guy, you talked about him not missing a game. You talk about a guy who knows how to take care of his body, a guy who puts in the work. And, and I know everybody says that about everybody, but it shows, right? I mean, he's, he's into his 30s. He's still playing good football. He's healthy. He's doing something right. You know what I'm saying? So these other guys in the locker room, it's like, do what he's doing. because <laughs> It's working, and it's worked for a long time. Um, let me try to phrase this, Stephen, before I let you go. If you were another football team, do you think that Justin Houston would be somebody that you would prioritize signing to the point where it would be worthy of losing a compensatory pick in the process? Right. I I think it would it would probably depend on the need. I know the the Ravens have had some losses on that defense, so I I would tell you this. I mean, for a team like the Ravens, because that's who we're talking about. Yep. Um, I mean, take my opinion for what it's worth, not being the expert, but I would say this: for a team like the Ravens, who did lose some defensive talent up front, and a team that that always feels like it's in contention, a guy like that could be a difference maker. You know, I mean, those those three or four or five big plays that he makes at critical times, because that's the other thing. He does have a knack for making those plays at opportune times, you know, when, when you really need it. And I think that's, that's the mark of a great player, too. He does do that. And those are the plays that sometimes can change your season. You know, uh, if you don't make them, maybe you don't win that big game, that critical matchup in the division, right? So, so I, think, I think for a team in that situation, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really something that it's not out of the question that that's the right call to make. You know, obviously they got to factor in all their needs and, and where they're at and, and what kind of pick they think they can get. Um, I don't know those answers, but yeah, I, I get it. I mean, I think, I think that if the need's there, he can fill the need. There's no question about that. Steven, let's just say that we had a side bet on our show that related to T.Y. Hilton's production in the 2021 <laughs> season. <laughs> How likely do you think it is that with 17 games assumed to be on the schedule that he has 801-plus yards in 2021? Hmm. I I actually like that. I actually I would take that bet. I'll tell you why. Uh, because here's the thing. Last year, I don't remember what he was at. I think he was a little under 800, yeah. uh, 700 and change. And and honestly, <laughs> it should have been much higher. Uh, he went, I think, the first five or six games without really being featured at all. And you know, Philip Rivers was really the reason for that. I mean, he he wasn't really playing to. T.Y. Hilton's strength. It's not a knock on Philip Rivers. I mean, he's a 39-year-old quarterback, right? With, sure. With, with an arm that's kind of suspect, right? So it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, I think T.Y. Hilton, look, I don't know what Carson Wentz is going to do, but I do know Carson Wentz will put the ball in play, and he will give his receivers a chance. And T.Y. Hilton's that kind of guy. You know, he, he still is a good enough route runner that it compensates for whatever speed he may have lost over the years. So I think, yeah, I think he's going to be able to get a few more big plays. And when he does that, he gets numbers. And, you know, it doesn't make him – doesn't mean he's, you know, he's, he's going to be 
the guy who takes you to a sure. Super Bowl. But I, all I'm telling you is that I think when he makes big plays, that's how he gets his numbers. Right. And I think he'll get more of those this year. I sure hope you're wrong about that, Stephen Holder. I sure <laughs> hope you're wrong about that. I we sure will see. We will case. see. But, but the, the quarterback's a big part of this, right? So sure, we, of course. That's another and, and health, so. obviously, too, is the, uh, the other unspoken yep. part. Stephen Holder, really appreciate taking the time. It's at Holder Stephen on Twitter, correct? Yes, that's it. Give him a yeah. follow there. Check his stuff out at The Athletic. Stephen Holder, thanks for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. Take care, guys. Stephen Holder from The Athletic covers the Indianapolis Colts. Some interesting stuff in there. By the way, um, I tried to educate myself a little bit more after our our dumb guy conversation yet yesterday. It's a bigger problem than we want to make. It, it, the presumption is that this would cost them a fourth-round pick. The presumption is that they have two, two fourth-round picks in Ngakwe and Judon. Um, this came from Jeff Zrebeck, who I, I trust on these types of things, that they're sitting on two fourth-round picks, which presumably means that they think that the signing of Watkins cancels out um, the loss of Willie Sneed. So that's presumably how that works out, That, that the or whatever it is, whatever the next signing was, whether that I, I, whoever it was, that they had one more that they thought would qualify, and the signing of Watkins will cancel that one out. So they believe they're currently sitting on two fourth-round picks as far as compensatory picks are concerned. So signing Justin Houston would cost them a fourth-round pick. I don't love which, that. Yes, that's, that gets back to this, the awkwardness of this conversation where, like, saying, hey, we, we, we like Justin Houston as, a, as an edge setter, and he's, you know, maybe he's not the pass rusher that he once was, but he can offer you something there. It all sounds you know, kind of intriguing. But – for the possibility of losing a fourth-round pick, I don't, don't, not, not quite as sold, not quite as sold on that being a good idea. But we'll see as they are hosting him today. Today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota Rav4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a Rav4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. When we come back in, it passed last night. The rules for how sports betting is going to work in the state of Maryland. Now we need Bill Ordine to explain it to us like we're five. So he'll do that next. It's Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. This is how you get a premium cup of coffee. Better and faster than the drip, drip, drip method. And way better than a large urn of lukewarm coffee made who knows when. At Royal Farms, our new Swiss-made coffee machines grind fresh premium beans on the spot and then brew them one cup at a time for the freshest, most flavorful cup of premium coffee you can buy. This is Royal Farms coffee. It's better because it's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialists. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401 970 
800-242-7797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. At Glory Days Grill, they have great food and good sports. Glory Days Grill is a sports-themed family restaurant with 39 restaurants up and down the East Coast. Watch all of the games on a ton of TVs, and each table has its own wireless speaker so you can tune in to whatever game it is you're watching. Find out more about what's happening at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill right now by going to glorydaysgrill.com. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A-minus financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. The weather is warming up. The days are longer. Do your windows open to let the fresh spring air in? Are they old, cracked, and outdated? The spring rush is on for home improvement projects. One great way to improve the look, feel, and value of your home is with new windows. Act now, beat the rush, and Window Nation will give you 50% off every style window. Bows, bays, picture and garden windows, every style, every color, plus get 0% interest for 18 months. 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Tweet us at Glenn Clark Radio, 21st Century Talk Radio at GlennClarkRadio.com. Glenn Clark Radio, Clark Back in here on GCR, Mobile One Full Synthetic Motor Oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. Thanks again to Stephen Holder from The Athletic joining us as uh, the Ravens host Justin Houston today on a visit. And we don't know exactly what their interest is specifically in Houston versus other veteran edge rushers that are out there on the market as we are to assume that they will be hosting others perhaps already have hosted others and perhaps just doing their due diligence and and seeing what everybody has to offer before that may 3rd date where it would no longer cost you a compensatory pick or perhaps they are very interested in justin houston we will find out in the coming days and weeks Last night, we found out officially a little bit more about what sports betting is going to look like in the state of Maryland. It passed, obviously, on the ballot. It's going to exist. Then the legislature had to figure out who was allowed to do it. And for the most part, they said just about everybody is allowed to get their piece of sports betting. To explain it to us like we're five years old, a man who's been doing that to me for some time, from Gambling.com, he's our friend Bill Ordine, and he's with us here on GCR 
Bill, it's Glenn and Kyle. I know we've had these conversations, I don't know, 6,000 times in the last few years, but always appreciate you joining us for a 6,000 and Glad to be here, Glenn. Thank you very much for the invitation. So um, it, it, the, the headline of this bill seems to be the sheer number of people that are allowed to participate in sports betting in the state of Maryland. But what does that really mean when we see such staggering numbers for online and in-person vendors? Boy, I, boy, that is a $64 question. What does it mean? Um, it's just stunning uh, that, that there are, for instance, 60 uh, online uh, gambling licenses available. I don't know that there are 60 online gambling operators, right. sports gambling operators, right. in the United States. So, it, you know, this started somewhere along the, the line of, the pro, of this process. It was uncapped. Well, at 60, it might as well be uncapped, to tell you the truth. Um, I'm not quite sure where they where – they, and I've been, I've been binge-watching the General Assembly now uh, for, uh, for the last week or so. So I'm not quite sure where they got that 60 number from, but it, it's a big number, as you point out. The other issue, of course, is the retail licenses, um, where of those licenses, if my arithmetic is correct, 17 are actually designated. Uh, and then there are 30 um, uh, retail licenses, meaning bricks and mortars, sports books, that you know will be up for grabs. To, you know, People can uh, apply and make their argument, make their bid. Uh, put in their credentials as to what their, you know, um, women and minority-owned uh, uh, equity interests will be, and you know what their experiences and their chances of success. So there are 30, 30 of those available. So, so um, the, the, I, I want to explain that a little bit further, Bill. You're, so I think people see that number thirty. You're, what you're saying is that's not thirty total. It's there's already seventeen in place, and then there will be thirty more. 30 additional, correct. Wow. Yeah, for a total of 47. Wow. So it's not going to be hard to find somewhere to go in the state of Maryland if you want to bet at a brick-and-mortar sports book. Yeah, probably about as hard as finding a convenience store. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite overstating it there, but um, there will be, you know, if you want to go place a bet on uh, – uh, on on Liverpool in a soccer match, I, it'll be a pretty easy thing to do. I mean, I, th- this sounds like it's it's good for the consumer, right? Like to have this many options. I don't know if there's the flip side argument where someone who would be interested would say, "Hey, it's not so good for us to have this much of competition." But it it it, it reads like it's beneficial to someone who is trying to get involved with betting in the state of Maryland as a better? Well, certainly on, in the online uh, universe, it will be. That, that Glenn, is where you will really see the, the competition for, for players, for customers, for people like you, me, and your listeners. Um, the competition will be fairly fierce. So consequently, there will be advantage to the customer there will be offers. There will be promotions that you know, will be, you know, in gambling parlance, pretty juicy. Um, on the retail end, it kind of remains to be seen exactly what advantage there will be to the customer, other than the advantage of proximity, 
uh, and convenience and being able to, to find a place. I suppose that, you know, they could give away, you know, free soft drinks or something. Right. Uh, but, uh, um, but certainly competition is, you know, more competition is better than less for the consumer. But I, I think it'll be really pronounced well, can in they the give, online environment. So, Bill, the, there was an argument that, like, when DC introduced their thing, that the odds were terrible, right? Like, could having so yep. so much, even the brick-and-mortar competition, could that lead to more appetizing odds for a consumer because there is so much competition? Uh, again, I think that'll be that'll play out more online than it will in okay. the brick-and-mortar environment. Uh, but certainly, you know, D.C. is a real anomaly in how not to do this. <laughs> I mean, we we have more than 20 jurisdictions now. I think we're approaching 24, 25 jurisdictions with sports wagering in the United States now. Uh, and, and D.C. managed to, you know, hold itself out as an example of how not to do this. Um, and, you know, because it has on the online side, it's essentially run by their lottery. Or, and on the retail side right now, only William Hill, which runs a fairly decent operation out of the out of the uh, basketball and ice hockey arena down there, that seems to be okay. But of course, you've got to be either in the arena or in the proximity of the arena to use your um, to use your cell phone. So yeah, I mean those odds are terrible, and we should not be seeing that in Maryland at all. Um, but what was what was the effect of the sixty online you know licenses for the local websites have on you know the national sports books like FanDuel and DraftKings? Are those well, well that that's who will be among the sixty, Kyle? Okay. That those sixty um, online licenses will be available to you know to anyone, and the first movers I would suspect are going to be the DraftKings, the FanDuel's. The William Hills, uh, Bet MGMs, you know, all the usual suspects will be the first movers into uh, into online. And even someone who is, you know, local, you know, let's say, now I'm being highly speculative, but let let's say a sports bar, you yeah, know, yeah. wants to now kind of leverage their uh, position as a retail sports book and wants to somehow you know, branch out to online, they're going to have to hook up with a major operator. I mean, that there are a lot of moving parts to uh, an online sportsbook operation. Um, you know, it, it's not like having, you know, selling stuff on eBay. Uh, I mean, it's a fairly sophisticated operation, hugely sophisticated. So, um, you know, anyone locally, and I put that in quotes, who wants to do online is going to have to partner up with already experienced and established odds makers, um, uh, banking uh, operators. I, I mean, you're not just throwing, you know, uh, a point spread out there and, and collecting $20 bills. Um, I mean, you have a whole banking operation that you have to conduct. Um, it, it's pretty sophisticated stuff. So and anyone who wants to do it locally is going to have to partner up with already established and experienced online operators. Bill Ardeen is with us, gambling.com. We're talking about this, the bill that passed last night on the final day of the uh, legislative session here in the state of Maryland that sets the guidelines for sports betting in the state. 
Um, Bill, I, I, in, in doing all the reading that I've done, I still don't know exactly what the timeline is. Like, one, Again, the first assumption is the governor is going to sign it. It appears as though there's no concern that he won't sign this or that this right. won't become law quickly. Once it quickly becomes law, what, are we looking at a scenario where like the, the online operators could move in you know, but by Memorial Day, like, like how no. quickly does this does this all happen? <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't mean to cut you off, but the short answer, no. Okay, <laughs> not by Memorial Day, that's for sure. Uh, they'll be lucky to get this up by the, um, you know, when Red Zone comes back. Okay, you know, by the start of the NFL season, and and um, and and here's here's the thing, Glenn and Kyle. I mean, the, frankly, uh, I hate to put it this way, like the easy part's over. The easy part was like establishing the law. The 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 devil, as as in this, as in life, is in the details. Now they hand this over to it's going from the legislators to the regulators. Ah, okay. The regulators will have to now craft regulation, the nitty gritty of how is all this going to operate, and and that's the painstaking crafting of regulation that still has to be done. So that that is in front of us. And that, I believe, is going to be in the hands of the Lottery Gaming Commission. Um, plus, there's still going to be yet a, another group that is going to review applications. That group has not even been an, an appointed yet. Uh, the, the, the group that has to review these applications for retail and online, that doesn't exist yet. So there's there's ways to go from here to there. Okay, the the 17 retail locations that were already approved. Right. I would assume the process is a little bit shorter for them, right? Yeah, yeah, no, that that's a very good point that you make there. That's an excellent point. Um all along um the uh, legislatures who were key in crafting the the spill made the point of saying that retail should be, could be up and running even more quickly than online. Okay. Um, and certainly, as you point out, I mean, there are designated, you know, bricks and mortars locations. You know, we can all, off the top of our head, come up with six of them called casinos. Right. Um, and, 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 a couple those, of the, and a couple of the stadiums, correct? Right. And the stadiums, too. Although, you know, I, I have to tell you that I really want to read the bill closely. Because therein is uh, a um, an issue that I think we should all be looking at carefully as we move forward on this, as to whether or not it's the venue that's going to get the license or the franchise, the sports franchise. Is going oh, to get interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and, and this and these bills, as they have bounced between, or as it has bounced between the House and the and the State Senate, has changed in its complexion in terms of exactly what that is supposed to mean. Mm-hmm. And now down in Virginia, the Washington football team actually has the gambling license along with FanDuel. Now, they're very quick to point out that FanDuel is the bookmaker and not them, but, you know, the football team is a partner in the gambling license. Mm-hmm. So we, we need to – I have yet to go through the latest version because, I mean, quite literally – the bill, you know, has crossouts and inclusions yep. and all that kind of thing. I have yet to go through the the final bill with a fine tooth comb to see exactly how that's going to work out. But I'm sorry, I digress. No, no, you're no. right. No, that's relevant. In, in essence, though, you know, there there will be uh, wagering 
at, at the venues themselves. Um, now, whether or not they can get up and running as quickly as, say, Live Casino or the Horseshoe Casino or the MGM National Harbor, I, I don't know. Because those places, you know, they're, they're gambling operations. They've got a lot of stuff in place that is not necessarily in place at a sports venue. So what you're saying is every time I think we're finally fine, like we're good, we're still not quite <laughs> all the way good. It's what you're saying. We just still no, have a little. We know yeah, it's coming. It's happening. It, it's, it is right, happening, and, right. and it will happen sometime. Well, I don't want to be pessimistic and say it won't happen by kickoff of the first game, but certainly it'll it'll happen during the NFL season. I would. I would expect okay. um, whether or not they, they can, you know, whether the regulators now, because it's in the hand of now it moves from the legislature, from the legislature to, to regulators, uh, whether or not it can happen by September 1st, we'll see about that. Well, as we know, there's always quite a great amount of speed and bureaucracy. That's always been the case, Bill. (laughs) There's never been anything that's been slogged down for no apparent reason whatsoever. That's never happened in government. I will give Maryland this. I will give, um, you know, the overall, you know, if we can look at, at the legislature and, you know, the regulators as, you know, as a piece here in Maryland. What we have here in Maryland is far better, for instance, than this. There is a circus going on up in New York that is beyond belief in terms of sports gambling. And, I mean, we can thank our lucky stars that, you know, Maryland has taken the route that it took as opposed to this torturous route they're going through up in New York right now. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, so, I mean, as, as bad as things <laughs> like Seem locally, as you look around the country, and I have to deal with this stuff really, frankly, from thirty thousand feet. Yep. Um, it is not, you know, what's going on here in Maryland is certainly better than some other jurisdictions. I mean, we it'll be a better situation certainly than Washington D.C. We know that. Yeah. Well, I mean, what, um, what a mess. Yeah, no question. You know, yeah. and Virginia, for instance, only which you know seems to be okay, but they only have online; they don't have any retail. Uh, Because I don't have casinos yet in Virginia. I mean, that's down the road a couple of years. Um, You know, a situation like New York is, you know, ugly beyond belief. So Maryland's not so bad off. Um, But there is kind of a cautionary note I wanted to sound before we, you know, ended the conversation. Um, And that is this. You know, there will be a lot of folks who are looking at this from a business point of view. And they think that there's going to be a gold rush here. And and folks who are contemplating getting into this sports gambling business need to understand this is a tough business to be in. Sure. The, the, the profit margins are razor thin. Uh, the taxes here in Maryland are not nearly as bad as, say, Pennsylvania. But they're, they're still kind of high. They're 15% um, of, I guess, their gross gaming revenue. And, um, you know, you know, I, I always note this to people who are interested in sports gambling and are familiar with names like DraftKings and FanDuel. And I bring up to them, you know, that each quarter that that DraftKings loses hundreds of millions of dollars. 
they I mean, do not make a profit. Okay, but yeah, so, so wow. So anyone who is thinking about getting into the sports bookmaking business and thinking that it, it is the you know that it's going to rain money on them, um, better be prepared with deep pockets to to lose money early on. All right, Kyle, back to door-to-door banana sales. We tried. It was <laughs> we tried. We did our best. It was a hell of a run that we had for those twenty minutes, and we were considering it. But yeah, I, I know. Not going to be the case. Hey, look, you know, you can get a B two license for fifty grand. Uh, geez, you know, you can go out and get like uh, five of your friends each put up ten thousand dollars on your business. Right? Yeah. Well, um, well, but it and actually, you know, retail is is not quite you know, the, the same thing as online. But online bookmaking, you know, operates pretty much at a loss right now. Well, um, because they can't bring people in and, and sell them a pretzel for $8, you know? Like, right. Well, <laughs> but, but, isn't, but Bill, that, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't that the benefit? The benefit is not really what you're making from the, the gambling itself, but the idea is come in here and have dinner, have, you know, per Come come to an event that we're holding and, and pay money for that. Is, isn't that the concept of why this really works for certain businesses? Well, for certain businesses, meaning specifically casino businesses, right? Uh, and and it you know and certainly there is advantage to drawing people in to wager on on a sports event so that they can right. buy food and drink. But there's also these things called slot machines. Um, that are yes, correct. Around. While you're here, that, yeah, that, go ahead. And yeah, that are the that are the real money makers. Deposit a hundred dollars in here, and 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 we'll take your hundred dollars yeah. kindly, right? Right, <laughs> like, right, exactly. So for a casino, um, you know, and you have heard the casino operators say this over and over again, and you hear the bookmakers who run the casino books say, you know, that the sports book is an added amenity that brings folks in so that they spend money in other places in the building, be it a restaurant, a bar, a slot machine, a blackjack table, and on and on. Now, you know, for, you know, let's take a sports bar. You know, um, I frankly imagine that for most of those types of businesses, um, sports bars and restaurants, that, you know, having sports gambling in their establishment will look a little like having the Kino games, the lottery Kino games that you see in bars and restaurants That's already. That's amazing. That's what I would think, frankly. Um, uh, I don't know that, a, you know, maybe a sports bar can carve 300 square feet out of their Right, to have an actual physical space, right. You know, and put in some big, you know, some fancy TVs and some seating. Um, but by and large, I would think that they're going to be kiosks. That's interesting. You know, you'll go into your, you know, your chain, sports bar and there'll be kiosks. The chain restaurants do this anymore, anywhere they put the, like, that's how you pay, right? If you sit down at a table, they, they give you a little screen and, and they can just do the same thing, right? Like, yeah, yeah. That, that is, that's that's how I envision this. That's interesting, man. I, I mean, I, I don't really think that the, the, a local sports bar is, that gets right. one, one of those 30 licenses that we keep talking about here. Is all of a sudden going to turn into um, you know the the Westgate Sports? The Super they, just, they just don't have the space to do it. They don't they don't no. have the physical room in order to pull that off. Which no, yep. I, you know we talk about these thirty licensees and our imaginations run wild as to what that might look like. But if they are already established businesses, 
um, you know, they've got to work with whatever they, they have to work with. And um, as I as I said, you know, a lot of sports gambling, you know, if you go up at Delaware Park, you go to any sports book, even in a casino now, and uh, a fairly a fair amount of that gambling is going on on kiosks. Right. Right, you're you know, not actually walking it's up to somebody. It's all machines, and, yep. you know. Yep, well, it's, so, it's a lot so like a lot of the rest of the world. A lot of these places will look like. Bill Ordine, gambling.com is, of course, where you find his stuff. Uh, I imagine we're going to need to have a few more of these conversations before we actually get to the date when all of this kicks off. Always appreciate you taking the time for us, my friend. Let's do it again real soon, all right? It's... Yep, you take care, Glenn. Take care, Kyle. Thank you, Bill. Bill Ordine, gambling.com. Gives us a little bit more information. I, I didn't realize that the number was not a – I thought it was a total of 30. He's saying it's the 17 that have already been improved and then 30 yeah. more places. That's – I mean, as Kyle knows more than anybody, there's only 24 – That's 47. Juris- right, but there's only 24 jurisdictions in Maryland, 23 counties in the city. Dorchester, Worcester. Right. You know, big, you're a big, you're a big uh, Somerset guy. Everybody um, knows that about you. We're not – we don't need to do it today. We don't need to do it today. Kent. Yes, these are all counties. You're right. Yeah, welcome. Calvert. Yeah, that's another county. Are we doing this right now? No, we're not. Okay. We're not going to do this right now. We'll do it again, though. That day will come. Um, and I'm not suggesting that every county. Like, I don't I don't know if Talbot County is going hey, to have stop a. stop spoiling it. Thank you. We're not doing it today. I just told but you that. That was one I wouldn't have gotten. I know it wasn't. And you're going to forget about it by the time we do it next. Uh, maybe I'll remember it now. Mm, I don't think so. Watch. I have no idea if they, that will be a place like where there will be sports gambling because I don't know if there's a facility that's going to want it. But I would you're going to assume that there's going to be a few facilities in sure. the city and you know the bigger counties. We already, we already know where the casinos are, like up in Cecil County. They're definitely going to have gonna be sports Eastern gambling. Shore and 100% assume that. Um, but it's interesting that there is the opportunity. That's one of them. That's one of the places on the that's Eastern not, Shore. That's, that's not that's Nick Kent. That's another one, right? Uh, sure. Yes. Isn't it? It's yes. Queen Anne's. Yes. Eh. Queen I wasn't. I was kidding about that okay. one. Okay. All right. <sighs> All right. Anyway, the point being, <laughs> point being, it's coming after last night it passed in the legislature. All right. We're into hour number two of the program. It's also brought to you by C Three American Exteriors. Do not let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C Three to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. 410-401-9797 or c3america.com for a free analysis. Uh, when we come back in, a couple topics that I uh, haven't gotten to yet that I want to get to, uh, some movement related to MLB and the antitrust agreement. We'll talk about that. Uh, I, begrudgingly, I'll probably spend the minute chatting about Julian Edelman. I don't really have much to say, but we'll spend the minute chatting about it. And Hall of Famer, baby. Sure. Coming up li- Coming up later on this hour, Dave Parker is going to join us, a man that you could argue could should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, a few different reasons why he did not get traction as a Hall of Famer, but he is an icon in the sport of baseball, and we will chat with him later on this hour as well. That's all on the way. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio.
Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. For more than 100 years, Chesapeake Employers Insurance has been helping Maryland businesses keep their workers safe. With competitive pricing and an AM Best, A- financial strength rating, it's no surprise that Chesapeake Employers is Maryland's largest writer of workers' comp insurance. At the end of every workday, someone's waiting for your safe return. Connect with your agent or visit CEIWC.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. The journey begins on remote mountain farms and plantations in the lush tropical regions of countries like Colombia and Brazil where the best coffee beans are grown. The beans are harvested by hand carefully sorted, bagged, shipped, and finally roasted. And the journey ends as your cup of rich, flavorful Royal Farms coffee, the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. The weather is warming up. The days are longer. Do your windows open to let the fresh spring air in? Are they old, cracked, and outdated? The spring rush is on for home improvement projects. One great way to improve the look, feel, and value of your home is with new windows. Act now, beat the rush, and Window Nation will give you 50% off every style window. Bows, bays, picture and garden windows, every style, every color, plus get 0% interest for 18 months. 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, a lengthy Q&A with Orioles manager Brandon Hyde as he candidly discussed the impact the pandemic has had on the team's rebuilding effort, Chris Davis, Adley Rutschman, and much more. Inside, find our special college lacrosse feature, introducing you to the men's and women's players at all of the area schools. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Guys, we're almost there. As a lot of people have said, we are at the 10-yard line, but the COVID-19 pandemic is not quite over, so we need to continue to be vigilant, do the right things, including wearing our masks, and if we're going to wear them, why wouldn't we wear masks that represent our favorite teams and players? Home team masks, available right now. Pressboxonline.com slash masks. We got a purple and orange state flag neck gaiter for you, as well as the Celebrate 8 MVP neck gaiter, and an over-the-ear faded to Stress state flag and traditional colors mask. They're available. Pressboxonline.com slash masks. Let's get this over with. Wear our masks. Home team masks. URL. 
You are listening to Glenn Clark Radio. GlennClarkRadio.com. You keep trying to have this conversation. I you keep used to love him. Insisting Montana. that I know what Disney or Nickelodeon show Brenda's song was why on. Why did you always talk about Hannah Montana? I didn't. That's never been a thing. Never once. Not one time. You were like, I don't know if I can Lots really of, get behind Miley. There, there because isn't. Like, I used to the, you know what? I think there's never, there was never an era. I know nothing about the Disney Channel. Is, I was a Disney fan when I was, was not. It, I liked even Stevens. I, the Disney Channel barely existed when I was a child. Like, I, it didn't come along. It was big when I was a kid. Yeah, I, it was I like, believe that. I liked, um, it was never a thing for me. I liked Sister, Sister, Smart I'm, Guy. I, was Sister, Sister start on the Disney Channel or did no, it end it, up? It, I, that's what I thought. Smart Guy, Sister, Sister that. was a thing in Smart my Smart Guy life. was good. Don't, I couldn't tell you what that is. It had the running back from Playmakers in it. I'll believe you, but I don't you know what him? that is. Uh, yeah, I do. He was, yeah, uh, yeah absolutely, 100%. Yeah. He did uh, drugs in that. He so. did a lot of them. Yeah. Yep. Um. I look. I. Th- I was trying to think. Everybody on the internet yesterday was talking about Brenda Song and Macaulay Culkin having a child together. And of course, I know who Macaulay Culkin is, but I was realizing I did not know who Brenda Song was, and she seemed very lovely. lovely yeah. And I was like, you know, I got bully for them. them. Yeah. But it was just confusing to me that everybody was, nobody was saying, and it was like we were all supposed to just know who Brenda Song was. You are. And I, it might be Nickelodeon. I realized I had channel, no idea. But I, I had no effing clue who Brenda's song was. So I was trying to do some... And some, normally you're really on top of that. I, I, it's weird. Right. This is typically... I am Mr. Pop Culture. Everybody knows that. I'm really in digging this YouTube show. It's good. It's uh, three years ago. Oh, right. Yeah, with uh, yeah, our buddy yeah. Sam Richardson. I, I He's do executive want, I, producer. I, I'd, I'd look at that at some point. I 100% would look at that at some point. The point being, apparently she was in the social network, and when I saw a certain picture of her, I realized I did know who Brenda mm-hmm. Song was. But it's the only way that I know who Brenda Song yeah, is. Yeah, she's Mark Zuckerberg. Exactly right. Exactly. <laughs> she was the one. <laughs> like, what happened to Jesse Eisenberg? Is he just He's hanging out? He's chilling. Like, what is? What does he do? Anything? Um, he was like, he does like turbo famous. I liked him in um, you know what his best performance may have been? I don't know. I liked him a lot in End of the Tour. I don't know what that is. It was where Jason Siegel plays David Foster Wallace. Okay. And Jesse Eisenberg is the journalist who is essentially, you know, tasked to sort of follow and accompany David Foster Wallace on his book tour. Okay. And both of them gave very... You think of Jesse Eisenberg as playing the same sort of hyper-frenetic, yeah. fast-talking, yeah. every role he does. Like There's a little bit more to it in this I one. like the zombie line. I guess, it, like... He was part still of the, the same character in that. Part, though, of, right? the, like, part of the problem is I, I have not seen either of the Now You See Me films. Oh, they're awful. So They're awful. Like, they're real a, bad. And I've also not really... So he was Lex Luthor. That in, was also bad. And I didn't check in at all. I just don't know on, what they were expecting. Lex Luthor isn't that. Yeah, so I, I've not really been involved with Jesse I don't Eisenberg hate him. I like Adventureland. Oh, I forgot about Adventureland. I did enjoy Adventureland. Yeah. Roger right. Dodger, right. that's a good a, film. It's been a while. It's been a minute. You've seen Roger Dodger? I have. It's been a minute. Yeah, it's a good yeah, one. It's, it's, good you know, one. it's certainly right. not. It wouldn't age great. But but, but, he's, but been, a, he's been more active than I'm giving him credit for. Definitely. He's been more active. I've just he's not, not just been not, really. He's not, he's not, not acting, you know? Well, I'm not saying he's not. It just seemed like he went from being turbo star well, it was kind of being a company you know when michael Sarah was big so was jesse eisenberg because they couldn't but get michael Sarah was a really specific type of exactly. big they're the same kind no of i big. disagree I jesse did. eisenberg was a hollywood type of big michael Sarah was like michael Sarah was there as well it was a niche it was a only because he didn't want to be that big I maybe like. that's the case i don't know but it Everyone was a niche with like a certain and then they get jesse eisenberg is, is that what it is i think that is, is that what it is frankly i don't know if that's the case 
All right, so we had that part of the program, yeah. which is important. We needed to do that. Mm-hmm. If you missed it last night, Stan the Fan and Ross Grimsley had a great conversation about the uh, first week of the Orioles' season. It's available right now by going to facebook.com slash pressboxsports. You can find it at pressboxonline.com. It's brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. So um, a group of Republican senators, Ted Cruz, Josh Halley, who seems like a swell yeah, yeah. fella. It's Hawley. Yeah, Hall, whatever. Who cares what it is? Who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Mike Lee uh, are pushing the to antitrust. get rid of baseball's antitrust exemption. Now, this is a weird it's complicated. thing, right? It's a very complicated like, It's an topic. unbelievably complicated topic because the reason why they're doing it is because they're pissy right. that— They've politicized it. Right, that, that Major League Baseball moved the All-Star game out of Georgia after Georgia uh, passed a voting law. So they're pissy about that, and so they want to get back at Major League Baseball by saying, well, we're going to take away your antitrust agreement. Well, the interesting part about that is that if that—based on, on that premise— being in the minority rule right now, it would seem unlikely that that would go anywhere. But the truth is there are an awful lot of people who have long wondered why it is that Major League Baseball should mm-hmm. have an antitrust exemption. It's what allows them to you know, suppress salaries in the minor leagues. All of these. Like, interstate commerce and all that fun stuff. There's it's been a weird, a, wonky little argument there's been they a, operate there's under. Been a, there's a lot of people that wonder why much of anyone has... And antitrust exemption. They've essentially been falling back on what was decided a long, 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 about, long time ago, but about, before broadcasts existed, right? about what qualifies as interstate commerce, and they argued that well, the game was, takes place and in a state. It was also about protecting what was deemed as being significant to America. There was a lot of things I that... There's like, the, antitrust is a very legitimate... You right. know, it's, a, it's a necessary thing yeah. to avoid having the monopolies and all of them, right? Like, right? Like... It's still always been odd that baseball has been able to sort of skirt by. So I don't, I don't, I don't know what this. But does. I think it would have an effect. Like I, I don't know what would happen. Yeah, if I don't they know exactly didn't. what it would look like. And right. it seems people but are talking about it like it's a long shot that anything well, would happen because, because of the political nature. Because of right it. now there's going to be no appetite for the ruling party right. to get involved with this conversation because of the reason why it's right. been presented. But. That doesn't mean that there aren't members of of both parties that say, yeah, but I do kind of want to talk about this at some point. I hear you. It's a weird, it, it's, it is very weird the way that this is all going to come about. Like, there are people that are using the analogy of, is this a two wrongs make a right situation, right? Like, uh, we don't like the law and we don't like the reaction to the law, but we like the ultimate result. Like, I, I don't think so i don't think that's going to be the case and let's not forget that baseball will still have very powerful lobbyists and there'll be plenty of people that will push even if there is more of an appetite from the controlling party to say we are actually more on board with this idea holistically than the individual reason that it was presented it would seem unlikely that this will end up going anywhere this is still has to go this is a political issue, correct? But it still obviously is like the owners of the Major League Baseball teams are the ones that are fighting against it, presumably. Yes, and they have a lot of power right. because they have a lot of money. Sure. So I don't think this goes anywhere, but it's a... It's are there enough Republican owners for it to be like, a, well, we'll just jump aboard oh, because I, this no, is a push. No, it's the exact opposite of that. There will be enough Republican owners that will step in and say, shut the F up. Yeah. You, you want money Expecting from us? Shut the that, yeah. F up, you idiots. 
there will be way more of that that will come from this than the alternative, right? Like sure. there, there'll be a lot of behind the scenes. Hey, look, you know, we we agree with you about the Atlanta hey, thing. Remember what we did for yeah, you and all. Shut that. up, right. dummy. Yeah. There'll be a lot of that. Um, but it is fascinating because it's a, you know, the 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 enemy of my enemy is my friend type of scenario, right? Like, boy, this is weird. I don't like that baseball has an antitrust exemption either. But I uh, and I and I don't like you and you're, but boy, that it's just a sure. weird. It's it's yeah, fascinating for those really left leaning minor league baseball players who are conflicted right now. I I have no doubt <laughs> that there are a lot of those at the moment. Um, the Julian Edelman thing. Hall of uh, Famer, baby. No, not and th- this is. It's like the playoffs are like this is a weird bit, right? Because I'm trying to do this this math of what if what if the exact if everything was the same, but Julian Edelman had played in Denver, would we even be having this conversation? Is everything the same as far as I mean, like he had the same career, he won the same Super Bowls. Super Bowls. That's where time, like I, I so much so. of this to me, I don't think so. I think so the Patriots so, didn't matter until they did, right? But Boston did. Boston is a powerful market. It is a market with a huge sports media. It mattered enough it is to a get market. Terrell Davis in, right? Like, how is it different but, than... Well, I mean, Terrell Davis had a shorter career, and his numbers but, for but his career Terrell don't Davis stack was up. actually great. There's no... Julian Edelman was never great at anything. He was clutch. You can use those terms. He was productive. He was, he was productive, heavily relied upon. But he upon, was kind of productive. Don't oversell that either. I don't know. I'm not going like, to argue. He, he was he, never... Look, he was Terrell Davis Wes Welker. was great. I don't know of how I feel about Terrell Davis being in the Hall of Fame, but at least I can say in in the the short time that he played, he was a truly great I would player. still say his inclusion is the only reason this conversation exists. Oh, there, in no, my but this has nothing to do with that. This I is so. this is entirely about postseason. This is entirely but that's about why I, th- I think that's why Terrell Davis got in. Oh, you're ignoring that. He was great for his it, it, he had a 2000-yard season, I'm aware. Right. Like, but he was great for he was best in the playoffs. He might be most known for the playoffs, but this is, Julian Edelman was a decent player that played well in the postseason. Terrell Davis was a great player who also played well in the postseason. Julian Edelman was never great at anything. He just And this is not a knock on Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman had, had a nice little career and and deserves... In, he was a very important player If you player care to about Julian Edelman, if you care about the New England Patriots... It, it's very deserved that he gets recognized. I would, I would, I would compare it to Nick Markakis. I wouldn't expect anybody in Seattle to give a rat's ass that Nick Markakis retired. It's just only different, of course, because the, the the championships and what the memories that we have of him in those games are. Right, like you're not going to talk I, to your I, generic I, baseball fan. And say, but this okay, is, Nick I don't, Markakis, what I, do you think I think of? that you're creating something that's... that's. I'm not arguing for him, No, no, no. This isn't about... The, the Hall of Fame argument is stupid. Stop doing this. Of course, there because is no we argument. know how, how ridiculous the wide receiver position is to begin even with. Even if there. it wasn't, even if all of those guys were in, it wouldn't create a world in which Julian Edelman was a Hall of Famer. Th- this thing where we're like, hey, you know, if, 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 if Torrey Holt's not in, then, then these guys can't be in. If Torrey Holt is in, there's no argument for Julian Edelman. There is no Hall of Fame argument for, for Julian Edelman. It does not exist. The We're only thing people will bring up is that he has the second most that's postseason receiving yards ever. Wonderful. Right. Now, let's get to the point where there's no – there's no. you were just saying things for the sake of saying them. That's not an argument for Julian Edelman to be a Hall of Famer. 
There is no Hall of Fame argument for Julian Edelman. We're bored. There was a news story yesterday, and in the sports world, there wasn't anything that eclipsed it. So because we're bored and we need something to talk about, we talk about this. There's nothing there. It's not a conversation. The point that and I'm trying to make is Julian Edelman in Boston deserves that recognition. In everywhere else, it deserves a shrug. Like, eh, nice player. Today in Baltimore, my response to Julian Edelman retirement, retire, re, Julian Edelman's retirement. retirement is nice player. In Cincinnati, it would be nice player, and that's the comparison that I make to Nick Markakis. In any other city in the country, if somebody if somebody called in to to Softy in Seattle the day after Nick Markakis retired and said, "Hey, Softy, what you think about Nick Markakis?" The response would be, "I yeah, was a nice player. He had more yards than nice Randall player. Cobb." Thank you. In his I, career. What does that mean? Well, Randall Cobb's a Hall of Famer. Jesus I'm Christ. making what a joke. I'm indicating the like, level of like the, the people he's he has only like 30 more yards. We don't we don't need to explain why there's no Hall of Fame argument for Julian Edelman. There's no Hall of This would be like me trying to explain why there's no Hall of Fame argument for JJ Hardy. We don't need to spend any time on this. The the people that are trying to make this a topic are absurd. There is no debate. It does not exist. You're bored. You need something to talk about today because you don't know anything about the guy that won the Masters and Tiger Woods didn't play, and we're not in the basketball playoffs yet, and the draft is still a couple of away, weeks away. You're desperate for a topic, and so you're trying to force the idea that there is a debate about Julian Edelman being a Hall of Famer. There isn't one. It's not a conversation. We're just doing things to, to, to buy some time in sports media because there's nothing else that's significant to talk about. John Stallworth got in. Thank you. With his Super Bowls and no idea. not many yards. What, what are you doing? I'm trying to find, strolling there's up no through the argument. list to try and see if there's any other Hall of Famer who had few yards and 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 got in despite being, you know, frankly, among otherwise, n- not mediocre, they were good receivers, right? Like, But otherwise, guys you would never even consider for the Hall of Fame, right? And it's hard to find guys that he would, would qualify, right? Like, no idea what you're. I'm trying to just talk about what Julian Edelman has accomplished in the playoffs. Is he's a nice player. I, I don't know. We can keep doing this eternally. Julian Edelman is a nice player who made some big plays in big games and was on good teams, which gave him more opportunities to do things in the postseason. And he played well. That, that's that's a nice sentence. It's a hell of a a lot more than so many people get to say in their career. But it ends there. There's no next step to it. And it's not. It's, it's, this is about Julian Edelman. Other people are trying to make it about wide receivers. Well, Heinz Ward can't get it. This is, if Heinz Ward was in, there would be no argument for Julian Edelman. He was never among the best receivers in football. Never. There, there is, we're talking about a guy that was above average and trying to pretend like he was among the greats. And he wasn't because we're bored, because we don't have something up, because LeBron James hasn't said anything recently that's interesting. We're bored, and so we need something else, and we don't know how to have conversations about players that retire unless we talk about the Hall of Fame. This is not hard. No, of course not. Of course there isn't. We're wasting our breath because we don't know what else to say. I'll say it for you. Hella of a career. Really nice player. Remarkable story. Really incredible. 
that someone managed to carve out that type of career for himself that no one saw coming. Really cool. I don't care for him because he's a patriot. He has some but, important plays that kind of hurt us. Yeah, I mean, that was a bummer. But I, I can acknowledge any player anywhere that came from this scenario where you were a, a, a college, a, a middling college quarterback that took a shot at did, doing something else and ended up carving out a really nice career, that's, that's, that's a neat American story. But trying to make something else here is, is, is a failing of the media. And, and people on Twitter. I mean, but I, I can't yell at them. They're, they're all idiots, right? We should be better than this. And whether it's because we're falling into a trap of a big Boston sports media that wants more attention. Admiral Akbar, you know? That's, yeah, it's a trap. Or it's because, as I keep saying, we're just bored. We're trying to create some other conversation that doesn't exist. You don't have to explain why Julian Edelman isn't a Hall of Famer. He's not. I don't have to explain why mayonnaise isn't ketchup. It's not. Well, then what if they mix them? They should be fired into the sun. That's a thing. At this point. I used to like that on a burger. God. Not like the, the product that's sold is the combination. Mayo like, chup. Yeah, but the mayonnaise and ketchup, it's a good combo. Oh, yeah. Tasty combo. Oh, yeah. I think ketchup is improved by mayonnaise. I don't think it's necessary, though. Wait, say that one Ketchup time. is improved by mayonnaise. If you're going to put mayonnaise or ketchup on a burger, well, I think you should don't. also put mayonnaise. But if or, I'm making my just, burger, just I'm just not put putting better, ketchup. Just put if a I'm better choosing, condiment on it. If I'm choosing yeah. my, my ideal condiments for a burger, yeah. ketchup's not going on it. Yeah, but just, just put a better condiment but on it. But mayo is. Point. That, yeah, get a better condiment. What do you do, mean? Do better than It's that. additional. Two other things. Oh, for Christ's sakes. For Christ's sakes. We can't do this right now. We can't do this right now. We, we don't. I, I don't. Are, are we? Are we calling him. Yeah, we'll just hold it. We'll just hold it. We'll talk to Dave Parker. In there. I gotta go to and the bathroom. That's what we're talking about right now. Yeah, correct. He's <laughs> got to hold his pee. That's the way it goes. I, and I, I feel like I'm taking. Like it feels like I'm taking shots at Julian. I hate him. I wanna, frankly, I don't. I don't like the guy. It's like well, I, respect I, mean, I, don't, him. I respect I don't, his career. Yeah, I mean, a good job. Like, I don't, I don't, it's. I, I'm so. It's so embarrassing when we do this. Like it, it's. And I get it. This is. This is why I can't have those jobs anymore. Because I'm not willing to do it. I'm not willing to engage in the stupidity for the sake of engaging in stupidity. And so I can't, you know, it, I, I, have, I have met my lot in life. If I was more willing to do it, perhaps I would be able to get different jobs. I can't do it. I can't sit here and BS my way through some conversation about Julian Edelman as a Hall of Fame football player when anyone with a brain knows there is no such conversation. I can't do it. I have no doubt that there is an emotional response in Boston to Julian Edelman. I have no doubt. And they, they, they're they allowed to have that. He's a player that meant a lot. We had an emotional response when Nick Markakis retired in Baltimore because he's a player that means a lot. But we can't create some new reality because someone means more to us. That's not a thing. We have standards and we have... Ways of determining if there is an argument about a certain player. And none of those qualifications are met here. None. Zero. Not one. So because we're bored or because people in Boston want more attention, we try to create some 
new qualification. And that's not a thing. We know, we know that as nice of a player as Julian Edelman was, and he was, he was a nice player, there is no argument there. And it's just embarrassing on our part. Um, some other things, quickly, before, oh, you know what, I need to give a, let me do a read here. Today's show also brought to you by Window Nation. Act now. Beat the rush, and Window Nation will give you 50% off every style window. Bows, bays, picture and garden windows, every style, every color. Plus get 0% interest for 18 months, 866-90NATION, or visit windownation.com. Um, from Alan earlier on, said, guys, your conversation about seven-inning doubleheaders fascinated me because I admittedly am someone who hates it, but maybe I'm realizing that I'm just one of those guys who hates everything. Well, Alan, that that's a personal issue, <laughs> and I would encourage you to perhaps seek help. Um, I hate a lot of things. Don't get me wrong. I think people would know that about me over the years. There's plenty of things that I do not like. but And I'm not telling you that I like seven-inning doubleheaders. I'm not trying to suggest that. I'm just trying to suggest that after thinking about it more, it's hard for me to make as compelling an argument against them or for me to even back up why it is that I think I don't like them, um, which which has been, that's been something that I have dealt with since they introduced them last year. Uh, oh, Brian Powell. Of course, Brian Powell checked in. Our resident Patriots fan. Julian Edelman's one of my favorite players. He isn't a Hall of Famer. Of course he's not a Hall of Famer. Of course he isn't. It's not a conversation that we need to have. For some people, for some reason, people were. All right. Uh, I have been diving into this book because this man has lived not only an incredible baseball life, but really an incredible life. We just like to try to forget about the part that happened in October of 1979. We try to ignore that here in Baltimore. Um, this man is an icon in the game of baseball, and his book Cobra is available, and it's quite the read. I mean, it's it's nearly 500 pages. It is a hell of a read. Joining us now here on GCR, he is the Cobra himself, the great Dave Parker, an honor to have him with us. Dave, it's Glenn and Kyle in Baltimore. It's so great to chat with you. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. My pleasure. Dave, I, I am – your life, man, is so fa- – I, I led, led into this earlier in the show. The way that you so casually in your book were talking about a completely different topic and then led into, yeah, and then, by the way, I met a woman we ended up getting into the Mile High Club. And it was just in the middle. It was just a throwaway st- statement that you made within this story, although obviously this woman became a, a bigger part of the story. Um is what is the part that you left out of the book? Like, how much did you leave on the cutting room floor that would have also been fascinating for every other human being that's ever lived? Well, if I did um, the whole book and told the whole story, I probably couldn't stay in the United States. <laughs> Man, what a life you have lived, Dave Parker. What a life you have lived. So I want to uh, jump to a couple of things that are interesting uh, from a local perspective, Dave. I was I was really fascinated to learn that one of the first ever teams that showed interest in you when you were in high school was the Baltimore Orioles. How the hell did we let you slip to the 14th round of the draft and not take you? Well, I, I went to the workout, and um, they uh, was pleased with what they seen, but they never followed through. Damn it. Damn it. Well, that didn't come back to bite him in the ass or anything like that. <laughs> Luckily, we never had to worry about that afterwards. 
Um, you, you wrote about an interaction that you had with Frank Robinson at a young age um, when he was playing in Cincinnati. Would you be willing to share that? We can't, we're not going to give away the whole book, but could you, would you be willing to share that interaction with everybody? Because it seemed like it was really special for you. Well, I lived a block away from Crosley Field, and that was uh, the old Reds ballpark. And I used to see Frank and Beta Pinson come into the ballpark every day. Uh, they would come in and they had these Thunderbirds with the porthole window. And uh, they both had white ones with red interior. And uh, that was uh, a thrill for me to, to see those two guys every day in these fancy cars. And uh, that kind of made me want to be a ball player. And we uh, were playing stickball against Crosbyville Wall one day. And um, we saw them come in and we ran to the clubhouse, which was detached from the stadium. So they had to walk a certain distance to get to the clubhouse. And uh, we ran over one day and was trying to get some equipment to play with and Frank Robinson was in his trunk. And uh, I asked him for a, a ball, and he gave me a ball and a glove. And uh, I wish I had that glove today because uh, that was the, the nicest thing anybody ever done for me as a kid. Wow. And Frank was my idol from that day on. How, you know, how important as a, as a young black man in in this country at that time how important was someone like frank robinson for you in believing that you could do this well he changed my life just with that one incident and uh guys like him had a major impact on black youth and he could have did a, a whole lot of good with uh just his title and Frank was great. Dave Parker is with us. The book is Cobra. We're going to link it up on our Twitter account, at Glenn Clark Radio. Dave, um, how different would your story have been if you had not hurt yourself your senior year of high school and and you would have presumably gone on to play football at Ohio State? Well, I'm, football was my first love, so I was really – wanted to do that and I uh, was a, a tailback had above average speed had good open field moves and was very physical so football was my first love and uh, tearing my knee up changed my life because I could have never played 19 years of football hmm. so uh, that knee injury was a, a blessing in disguise I mean, it's amazing to think that, and it was really compelling. You know, I I would encourage people again to pick up Cobra because there were some other things going on in your life at the time, and it it made for a a fascinating read about that point in in where you end up. So you come to you get to Pittsburgh, you get up, you become MVP, you sign this contract, and then 1979 happens. How how did we lose to you guys, Dave Parker? How in the world did that occur that we blew a 3-1 lead? I know you said the weather had a lot to do with how the Orioles built up that 3-1 lead, but how did we not finish you guys off after that point? Well, it was a situation where we uh, was down 3-1, and uh, we was, they was in Pittsburgh, and they did the introduction 
of two teams in Baltimore. I think it was Lee May and then Pat Kelly. Yeah, you mentioned was, Pat. Uh, yeah, announced uh, on the speaker, and Pat Kelly did a little dance, and everybody in our dugout said, "Well, let let's see you dance the seventh game." <laughs> so we uh, didn't like that, and I think that did something uh, to change uh, the the momentum of the series because uh Jacoby even got upset and he never did do anything huh. and uh it had a, a effect on us as a team because we uh went out and did what we had to do won that that game to make it three two three two i think it was yeah yep. but uh pat kelly's little dance motivated us to to play harder. Yeah, Pat and, uh, yeah. I think that really turned the series around. Uh, we're not we're, we we're not going to hold we're not going to be angry at Pat obviously he's no longer with us cuz he was a great human being but damn it. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. That uh that that's uh the um would you be willing to admit all these years later that that whistle that Omar Moreno's wife had was truly obnoxious and every Orioles fan had right to be angry about it. Yeah, the whistle was famous. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bit much. Well, they uh, was doing their part. That was <laughs> the only thing they could do to make us com- competitive. And uh, they blew their whistles and stood on the dugout, danced, and it evidently worked. Are you aware of the relationship that the city of Baltimore has shared with the song We Are Family, as in you could literally start a fight at a wedding for for decades now if the wedding DJ played that song in Baltimore. Like, are you aware of, for as much as it became, obviously, you're all's rallying cry, are you aware of how hated that song became in our city? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's not liked. <laughs> so I'm aware of it. Yeah, yeah. Can we, can we get you to admit that maybe the song's overrated or do you still love it to this day, Dave Parker? Well, every time I hear it, I think about you guys. Yeah, yeah, great, great, great. We got that going for us, which is nice. Dave Parker with us on GCR. Dave, um, you know, I, look, the way that, you know, you started the book was by referencing the, the drug trials, right, and, and, and sort of juxtaposing it against – um, your friend Pete Rose and and him breaking the hits record, which was I I didn't I did not think back and realize how much those two things lined up against each other. Are are you do you harbor resentment to this day for how all of that unfolded, n- knowing what we know now about the war on drugs and 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 what happened in our country in the 1980s? Well. Dave, you there? The, oh, sorry. We lost you there for a second. Dealing with the drug situation when they had that trial, uh, that was uh, something that was taking place throughout our society. I, I looked at it as being a fad when I first got involved. And uh, it was uh, something that the government was looking to, to Cracked down on, and they did. 
and they went after big name ball players. They wasn't after guys that was utility players or relief pitchers that are used in middle relief. They was after big big name people. And uh it was uh, something that I got involved with and I was fortunate enough to be strong enough to walk away from it because I was never rehabilitated, uh never missed an obligation baseball wise. Uh I uh somehow just was able to walk away from it. I really thought it was a fad and I saw how it was affecting some of my peers and uh it gave me the strength to to get away. Did did, did you did, are are you bothered by the fact that that you're still that it it's still linked to you that when people talk about Dave Parker and a man that was an icon and one of the greatest baseball players we ever saw that that you still have to talk about you still have to deal with it throughout the rest of your life. Yeah, it was something that uh didn't fit with what I was as a player. Yeah. Because uh, I dominated baseball from 75 to 80. I was the best player in the game. And uh, I had to deal with that, and it's something that still affects me. Uh, no question. And for a lot of people, it impacted the fact that you should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame and, and, and still aren't to this day, and that's obviously something that – Hopefully, at some point, will be rectified. Dave Parker, just another minute or two with him here on Glenn Clark Radio. Dave, you're, you know, you. One of the things that I really appreciate was how, how plainly you explained the plight of a black baseball player at this time, and the threats that you would receive, and the the letters, and the way that it did impact you um, as a baseball player. Uh, race relations continue to be a difficult topic, even to this day in 2021 and in baseball um obviously the decision was made recently to move the all-star game out of atlanta because of the new voting law in georgia given all of your experience in the game and and with dealing the things that you dealt with as a black man how, how did you feel when baseball stepped up and said we're going to do something about this we're not just going to stand by well it made me feel good um you know, they, they're dealing with the right to vote. They're changing all that. They're making it difficult for us to vote. Uh, we went through four years of political madness, and uh, we got to protect the vote. And uh, I'm glad the guys are stepping up. I'm glad that baseball is stepping up. It makes me feel better about baseball. I think baseball needs to promote the game uh, a little better as far as getting black youth back right. in baseball. Right. And uh, them doing this, taking the All-Star gang out, out of Atlanta uh, makes me feel good about baseball. I appreciate that, Dave Parker. I appreciate that. Um, D Dave, is there any, I, I always like to ask this question when I have a high profile guest on, I always like to say, what's the most surreal moment that you've ever experienced? And you wrote about quite a few of them, um, in, in the book. And, and again, I can't encourage people enough to read it. It is a fascinating read, but is, is there a moment that you experienced because of baseball that you will take, you know, until the day you die and say, 
man, this is the one for me. This is the one that purely meant the most to me of everything that I was able to do in my career. I would think is the thing that um, you do collectively as a unit. Uh, I kind of look at the 79 series as uh, Hmm. one of those times that I hold closer to my heart because of it being something that we did collectively as a team because we were a unit. We were a family. And uh, winning that 79 series kind of is the number one thing in my my career. Well, you know, it's awkward for us, Dave Parker. But, um, I, you know, obviously, what a hell of a team you guys were. And, and reading about it is, is really fascinating. Again, the book is Cobra. It's available right now wherever you find your books. Dave Parker, truly an honor. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning to tell us about it. My pleasure. Dave Parker checking in with us here on GCR. And, again, fascinating lives. It don't get a lot more fascinating than Dave Parker. Like, holy F. Interesting fellow. Interesting doesn't begin to describe it. and I'm sure he had a uh, fun life. Well, and how casual oh, yeah. it all is. That is that's the in reading the book, it's so casual. Like seems like a cool cool dude. Uh, you, you know, one of his best friends was. Oh man, we could have had a whole conversation about this. Based, on, you know, we just brought this up recently. One of his best friends was Doc Ellis. Like, Jeez. you know, like dude lived a life and was an un, obviously an unbelievable player. I mean, my God, what a great player Dave Parker was. Um. But got caught up in in cocaine use, as we uh, you know talked about with the drug trials, and um, it has it 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 appeared as though that impacted when he got to the Hall of Fame ballot significantly, which I think today we'll be far more inclined to say it's cocaine, which doesn't make it okay, and we're not saying like well, also it's that the time they knew so much less correct about how harmful it really was. Um, not to say it's okay, not to make it... And, 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 right. and I want to make this very clear. I'm not talking about cocaine the way that we're talking about marijuana, right? But I, I think there was this idea that it somehow impact. You were a You were a terrible person who was doing terrible things and impacting the game versus being... You were, you were a person that had a problem. And, and yet, we're still able to be sure. this unbelievable baseball player at the same time. Fascinating conversation from a different era and... And what an effing life Dave Parker has lived, and the things that he just so casually writes about in this book—it—it'll make your head spin. Again, it's available right now. We linked it up on our Twitter account at Glenn Clark Radio. Cobra is the book from Dave Parker, and it is available right now. I and and from um from Paul and Ovilando. I, I don't need to know the list. I, I'm not trying to knock Paul. He just sent me this this tweet of like lists of wide receivers that are more deserving of Julian Edelman. We keep coming back to this thing where we have to defend. We don't... There is no argument. We're, we're, we're getting lost here. Will you ever... If, if somehow in five years... Yes. If somehow, I'm not saying... He gets voted in. Would there be a single Hall of Fame decision in your life that would have made you more... It's not, th- th- that would have been like, I, how I, in the world I, did they do I, this? I, I, we're wasting time, man. I'm not trying to knock you. I'm and just, I get I'm not even. It, there is, he's not getting in the Hall of Fame in five years. He's not a Hall of Famer. 
This is not. This is. We are wasting our breath on something. But what you do if he gets the whole thing? He's not. You're, you're trying to create. You're, it, Kyle, you're like asking me, what if Derek Fisher got into the Basketball Hall of Fame? There's an argument. It, there's not an argument. Great no, coach. there isn't. Yeah, that. Um, you're, you're, we're we're doing something to do it, and I'm just so un like we do what. Would you rather Wednesday is a thing? We do. Would you rather Wednesday? This is just wasting our breath. This is just in, engaging in something in which we're 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 dumbing down everyone else. We don't have to talk about all. Lord the knows we've never done that. Well, that's not true. We have had very intelligent conversations about um, what we're talking—the finger infections. Yeah. Very intelligent conversation. We're wasting. It. There is nothing there. We are presenting the wrong side of the argument. We're trying to defend why he isn't. We don't need to do that. There's no argument for him to be. You have to come up with that. I, the other side is the obvious side. Th- this isn't a thing. Do, uh, Paul, for what for what it's worth, all these things that um, that you're talking about, in uh, all these guys that are on this list, sure, you're. They're definitely uh, all better wide receivers than Julian Edelman was. But that's the point. The point is that just when when somebody says, hey, it's too difficult for a wide receiver to get in, even if it wasn't this difficult, there would still be no argument for Julian Edelman. Even if both Steve Smith and Anquan Bolden were first ballot Hall of Famers next year, which no one seems to think there's any chance they will be, Mm -hmm. even if they were, there would still be no argument for Julian Edelman. way too much time on this. I'm sorry. Just, we're bored. We're bored. We needed something to talk about, and so we're obsessing over this thing that's not real. Today's show brought to you by KNS Automotive right here in Hamden. For over 40 years, KNS Automotive has been restoring, repairing, and maintaining foreign and domestic vehicles with a focus on exceptional workmanship and quality customer service. Everything from something as simple as an oil change to major body work, they've got you covered. At KNS, give them a call right now, 410-235-6660, or go to knsimports.com. That's K&S Automotive, knsimports.com. We'll come back in. We'll get a tidbit. We'll get tubular to wrap it up. It's Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio. At Glory Days Grill, they have great food and good sports. Glory Days Grill is a sports-themed family restaurant with 39 restaurants up and down the East Coast. Watch all of the games on a ton of TVs, and each table has its own wireless speaker so you can tune in to whatever game it is you're watching. Find out more about what's happening at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill right now by going to glorydaysgrill.com. C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and siding specialist. C3 is also an insurance adjuster's worst nightmare and a homeowner's dream come true. With all of the bad weather, chances are you have some roof and siding damage. Call C3 American Exteriors now to get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. C3 guarantees a 48-hour rapid response. Call 401-9797 or go to C3America.com for a free analysis. 
Guys, we're almost there. As a lot of people have said, we are at the 10-yard line, but the COVID-19 pandemic is not quite over, so we need to continue to be vigilant, do the right things, including wearing our masks, and if we're going to wear them, why wouldn't we wear masks that represent our favorite teams and players? Home team masks, available right now. Pressboxonline.com slash masks. We got a purple and orange state flag neck gaiter for you, as well as the Celebrate 8 MVP neck gaiter, and an over-the-ear faded to Stress state flag and traditional colors mask. They're available. Pressboxonline.com slash masks. Let's get this over with. Wear our masks. Home team masks. Baseball is back in full in 2021, and the bat around has got you covered from bell to bell. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and you can catch me along with my co-host, Zach Goodman, every Saturday morning from 10 to 12 on the bat around right here at Press Box Sports. We'll break down every win, every loss, and everything in between, plus tell you who we take to rake each week as the Orioles look to get back in the hunt and bring competitive baseball back to Baltimore. Catch us at PressBoxOnline.com slash TheBatAround or at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. That's The Bat Around every Saturday morning from 10 to 12 right here at Press Box sports it takes time to get rich flavorful coffee beans from the lush mountain regions of colombia and brazil to royal farms but less than a minute to get yourself a delicious hot cup of the finest and freshest coffee in the world because royal farms new swiss made coffee machines grind those rich flavorful coffee beans and brew them one magnificent cup at a time it's why royal farms makes the freshest and best coffee in the world real fresh real fast royal farms Redefine your skills, inspire change, and make a difference. The Army offers the new generation of youth the ability to be part of something bigger than themselves, while also improving who they will become individually. Soldiers have the ability to impact the world in many different ways. The Army supports humanitarian missions ranging from the COVID-19 response to natural and man-made disasters. Visit GoArmy.com forward slash Baltimore. This is All right, back in here from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio Press Box. It is Glenn Clark Radio. Mobile One Full Synthetic Motor Oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. Uh, quickly from uh, John. Yeah, John from Little Rock. It was 1979 when uh, Dave Parker threw out Gary Carter in the All Star Game. He was All Star MVP that year. Decent year for him. Yeah, decent year. It meant a lot to him, winning All-Star MVP. That was one of the – and I only know that off the top of my head because I just read about it. Um, like, it was weird to, to see how much winning All-Star MVP – of course, the All-Star game meant something different in 1979 than clearly what it means in 2021. But it was a very big deal for him to win All-Star MVP in 1979. Um, Paul, uh, Paul, I'll, I'll get back to you about that one in a second. I need to get a little bit more information about that. Um, but I'll get back to you about that on Twitter. And from Ryan, Ryan says, uh, Glenn was enjoying your conversation about Justin Houston a little bit earlier on. If another team were to be interested in signing him, would you change your mind about wanting the Ravens to wait? I think probably you I wouldn't. Don't, it I, seems like I your, mean, your, like, your, point, your point was that he's not much different than what no, else I, is I, and, and, and this is the... I'm not saying the Ravens should specifically wait for Justin Houston. I, and I think that's the part that I'm confused by. I I think Justin Houston was probably the best of the group. But I'm not so inclined. My priority would be don't give up a, a pick at this point. 
That would be my first priority. My second priority would probably be Justin Houston. I mean, I have to learn something so significant about one of these other guys to feel different. I still like about Ingram, that. but I still would say I would be okay with waiting, right? Like, I'm not saying I would say go get him. You have to get him. You know? Yeah, I don't. I, I, I'm, I'm so caught off guard by how unproductive he was a year ago that I, I, I could not prioritize Ingram at this point. And again, I get it. He only played half a season, but in the half a season he played, he was not productive. I would, you know, I would say that it's. I don't, I'm sure there are instances of people just completely falling off of a cliff, but I can't think of that many like that. And so I would say that the last year, I would probably be willing to bet was more aberrational based on an injury or something like that. But you're just saying that. You have nothing. That well, you're he just was productive until out. last year. Uh, I mean... Until last year when he completely wasn't. Yeah, well, he, he was. was. Well, he was wildly unproductive a year ago. I'm trying to. What are you? What are you basing? Seven sacks is productive. I mean, like, okay, in that, like, in that, it's a useful. But piece that of your that team. smells like somebody who's descending. Like seven sacks smells like a descending player when we're talking about Melvin Ingram for what it is that he does. It smells like somebody who was on on his way. That when you say somebody doesn't just fall off a cliff, well, no, he didn't go from having a 15 he sack was, season to having a no sack season. He was hurt. Early, I remember in Hard Knocks, he started dealing with injury issues very early in camp and like missed time right out the gate. Like I would say, and again, this is me saying I wouldn't prioritize it. I wouldn't go and definitely give away a fourth round pick. I would probably still wait until the compensatory period has passed. But I still think Melvin Ingram has value if you were to add him to a team just in a vacuum. Maybe I I I I'm still confused by what we're basing that off of. Obviously, like, you're doing your due diligence and taking. But I don't, I don't know what like you're defending. When you say I think he still has value, how are you defending that? In that he's been a at best pro bowler in his career, right? And he's always been a guy that was talked about as being a quality three four three down outside linebacker. He does set the edge well while giving you quality right, in the pass he, rush department. Now, the quality that we're talking about here is what's in question. And When he I, was healthy, he was not very productive. He was okay. He was pretty good. He's, he, would, he would have – he would routinely I – mean, You're talking about years ago. Years ago, he was very productive. When he was healthy for the two seasons before last year, he had seven sacks in each season. Mm-hmm. He, this was not somebody that was still a prime pass rusher in the NFL. This was somebody who was productive, marginally productive. That was somebody who was healthy in their late 20s. Now he's into his 30s and coming off a serious injury. I'm okay with saying maybe, but the idea that we're just throwing it out there as though... I'm, again, this is going back to our conversation yesterday. None of these guys are the individual solution. It's just the way your verbiage. Your verbiage is that like you know something about Melvin Ingram. I don't... It's... It's I, that I think he's a smart bet. I think of the people out on the market, I like the bet on him as much, if not, you know, I think it's Houston probably would be a little bit better. I mean, that's as, but as, think, as far as what I can feel some amount of confidence in. I think in, he and Kerrigan are probably in a similar territory. Who? Ingram. I would probably put Ingram ahead of Kerrigan. But I think, you know, I get ultimately, like, they're guys, Kerrigan's older, right? Like, and is probably more of... He's an effort guy. His motor's always been talked about as what people like about him and got him to a pretty successful NFL career. Um, but I think I would expect him to be more on the decline than I would Ingram, personally. I don't know. They, they From, from a cl- decline department, they both seem pretty similar. In fact, 
Kerrigan's more recently had a really good season than Ingram has. I don't know. I this is me getting caught off guard by it. Like I look, I think Ingram is. I'm surprised by how pedestrian Ingram had been. I no when I, I know hear about the, the name kind of... when I hear the name Melvin Ingram, I think of a player that's better than the guy that that has actually played for the last three years. I understand like, what you're saying. The last three years, he's just. Last year was nothing, obviously, including an injury. The two years before that, he was a, a guy. He was, he was helpful, you know. I mean, I'll give it that. He was helpful. And again, all of these things coming to the the point I'm trying to make. No, if another team is, if if the Ravens host Justin Houston today, and tomorrow they find out, the Colts would sign him. They just say, "Look, well, let's just do this. We'll sign you. End this now." It would not. I would not suddenly, if I'm the Baltimore Ravens, I would first say, you know, if you're willing to wait, if you're willing to wait two weeks, we'll sign you. But if it's about you're signing now or never, then the answer is never. We're not, I, I would in no world change my strategy based on somebody else showing interest in Justin Houston this week. No, not a chance. But if he's there, if he's around on May 3rd, sure. And if he's not, I'll sign one of these other guys and hope for the best. And the truth being... The draft is where I need to hit. I've got to find something. I'm not forced. Let me take a step back. When I say I need to find something that hits, I'm not saying they have to take an edge rusher in the first couple of rounds. I think the Ravens could survive this season with the edge rushers they have and scheming pressure. It, I would. I don't like it, but I think they can survive. They need to find an a. a Someone who is going to be their their guy they can count on for five years. If if it's not there in this year's draft, they need to find it next year. They need to draft an edge rusher at some point that is going to be productive for them. The good news is that they have proven that doesn't have to come in the first round. They have found those guys later on in the draft. Mm-hmm. I would be stunned if they went the entire draft without drafting an edge rusher. They need to find someone that's going to be someone they can rely on for the next four or five years at some point in this draft or next year's draft at the latest. They've got to find that. Finding a one-year stopgap. They haven't really proven that they can find immediate contributors at the position for what it's worth. Um, you mean later on in the draft? I mean, kind of in general. Suggs being the yeah, I mean, layering omission as far as that's but they, concerned. They but they like also... You know, Kruger was a second-round pick, and he did It was not, a second-round pick, yes. That's high. That's a high that's, pick. Okay, you that's, expect them to play right away. That's, that's fine. I mean, to play, I don't disagree with that. I don't necessarily expect second-round picks to come in and be highly productive right away. I'm just saying but, the recent history at the position has been But, but Paul Kruger's over a, a decade I mean, Sergio ago. Sergio Kindle was also a second-round pick. You're talking about guys that were over a decade ago. You I just said the word Jalen recent. I don't think Jalen Ferguson has been all that special yet. But Jalen Ferguson is a far better argument. Jalen Ferguson is a far Ties better Bowser argument. It took three or four years until he started producing. Like These are guys that are athletes and thought of that take time for the Ravens to either feel comfortable playing all the time. Or to specifically right. fit into what it is they're doing, or they're just not the right guys. That's 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 fair. They've got to find that. That's what makes the draft so important. They've got to find that. But they have proven in the same time frame that they can find guys later on in the draft I that can you. be It's just that those guy. guys often have their best. It seems like they are just getting to where they need to be when they're that's about not, to be. I mean, Judon is the exception to that. Smith. Zadarius is the proof of that. Right. Judon is the exception to that. Judon is the guy that did not take very long for him to be a highly productive player, despite the fact that he was not a desired player coming out of college. Um, Zadarius Smith, obviously, it took some time, and he was 
far better once he left than he was when he was here. But they got to find that guy. They got to find him. Wherever they find him, they got to find him. I, I, it's just, I'm not, I'm just not that worked up on the difference between Justin Houston, Melvin Ingram, Ryan Kerrigan, or any of these players. Tidbit brought to you today by Glory Days Grill, celebrating their 25th anniversary this year at Glory Days Grill with so many amazing things on the menu for you to check out. We have tried the smoky thigh wings. They are unbelievable. The zucchini fries, the double bacon and cheddar burger, the barbecue chicken bowl with ancient grains, the strip steak sandwich, the silver anniversary IPA, all available at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, glorydaysgrill.com. Tidbit of the day. What if I told you Julian Edelman, second most productive seventh-round wide receiver ever? Bully for him. Or since 2000, at least. Okay. Marcus Colston is the one with more. That he had almost 3,000 more yards than did Edelman. Of course, you know, seventh-round receivers, we don't expect, if he were a receiver, him to be in this argument. But Kyle Pitts figures to be pretty damn good at probably, catching probably passes not gonna at slip that the far. next yeah. level. He didn't have a single drop. All of last season, and 91% of his catches resulted in a touchdown or first down. So, a lot to like about Kyle Pitts. I don't think the Ravens will get their chance, though. Got a funny feeling. Ravens' chances at pass catcher, though, have, well, I suppose, increased in recent years. So much so that in the last three drafts, no team has drafted more wide receivers than the Baltimore Ravens, who have taken six tied for most uh and they actually have drafted the second most wideouts in that span in the first three rounds as they are tied for first with three as well you'd just like to see you know mm-hmm. the returns and all of that but still of note the ravens hope there will be five and there will be five but who knows maybe someone else in the end of the first round tries to sneak back in for a kyle trask or something the quarterbacks in the first round Always of interest as it comes to the NFL draft. There are four teams who have gone at least 27 drafts without selecting a quarterback in the first round. Who are they? 27 drafts without selecting a quarterback in the first round. Man. Um, I'm gonna hang on. Let me go bo- team by team and see. so Buffalo has, Miami has, New England twenty seven. Hang on a second. Let me do the math. When when twenty seven drafts ago would be what year? That's for you to figure out, Glenn. I think Bleds New England twenty seven as Drew Bledsoe was drafted twenty seven drafts ago. I believe it'll be 90 so they count or they don't count. The, they're on the list. They're on the ninety four okay. was his rookie year, by the way. Yeah. Um, New York obviously has, Baltimore has, Cincinnati has, uh, Cleveland has a couple of times, uh, Pittsburgh has. It's more fun when you just try and think of it and just don't say it out loud. I, no, it's, this is better for me for trying to I'm get it right. Trying to think about Houston has, you. Indianapolis has, Jacksonville has. Oh, Tennessee did, Mariota. Um, and Vince Young. Oh, right, McNair. Vince Young, yeah, Jesus. Well, Mc, was McNair fought fit in 96. Was he really? He was, yeah. Okay. Maybe later. 97, maybe. Maybe, okay. Um, Denver has. Kansas City has. Oakland has. The Chargers have. 
We literally just did. Yep. Dallas. Dallas. Troy Aikman was the most recent, 31 seasons ago. Uh, the Giants have. Philadelphia has. Wait. Yes, Philadelphia has. Um, Washington has. Chicago. So Chicago's all their. Oh, yeah, obviously. Mitchell Trubisky. Okay. <laughs> Detroit has. Uh, Green Bay has. Minnesota. Jake Locker. No, what was the no? He was the Tennessee, Minnesota. Who am I thinking of? Culpepper was a first round pick. Eleventh overall. I believe. Yeah. Um. What's that? Maybe it was maybe twelfth. He was around. Yes. The NFC South. Now I go. Carolina has. Atlanta has. New New Orleans. Forty nine. Yeah. Years. Do you know who the last one was? Archie Manning? It was. Yeah. Is that it? There's one more. Oh, one more. Tampa has Jameis Winston. So the West, Arizona has St. Well, it's L.A. now. Jesus. L.A. has San Francisco. Has not. Alex Smith. Oh, piss. Alex Smith. Damn it. All right, Seattle's the answer. Yes, I should have. Seattle is. You know what's funny? When I first started doing this, Seattle was one of the first ones I thought of. That's why it's more fun when you do it like that. I know, but I just wanted to go through and do it team by team, and then I was like. You list the 32 teams in the NFL. Well, hang on a second. (laughs) All right, shut up. Shut up. (laughs) I didn't forget about Alex Smith. Damn it, I would have gone four for four, too. That really bothers me. All right, uh, Tidbit was also brought to you today by the print issue of press box which is this is the final day oh you can't leave until you record the new spot uh print issue of press box available right now your neighborhood royal farms any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find press box or read it all pressboxonline.com final day for you to get this one with brandon hyde oriole skipper on the cover so get out and pick it up today tubular brought to you by c3 american exteriors call c3 to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible don't let the insurance industry get one over on you call c3 right now 410-401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis here's what's coming up obviously as we mentioned orioles mariners playing two seven inning games today starting at four o'clock on masson justice sheffield and john means followed or not even playing one I guess it could rain. Well, no, I mean, if they're not playing any nine inning oh, games, they're they not playing any games. games. So are you like refusing to watch? Is I that boycott you're boycotting it. today's yeah. games? It's, that's that's worth it. Daniel Almonte out there, let him pitch. Sure. <laughs> Does that have to do with anything? Seven inning masterpiece. Oh, because of the little. All right, fine. Dean Kramer, Nick Marjavicious, is that his name? Joe Jaravicious. It's not Joe Jaravicious. That's the uh, pitching matchup for the second game. Masson 2, Nats Cardinals 745, MLB Network, Athletics, Diamondbacks at 330, ESPN, Phillies, Mets at 7, Reds, Giants at 10. Uh, Towson Lacrosse in action right now against Hofstra uh, on Towson Sports Network tonight. NBC Sports Network and NBC Sports Washington for Flyers Capitals at 7. TNT has Clippers Pacers at 7.30. Celtics Blazers at 10. Uh, Paramount Plus is where you're going to have to go for quarterfinal action in the Champions League. Chelsea and FC Porto at 3, as well as Paris Saint-Germain and Bayern Munich at 3 
And, of course, tonight's the night the official move happens, WWE NXT. Now on Tuesday nights on the USA Network at 8 o'clock, your thoughts on new NXT champion Karrion Cross. Did he really carry the cross the whole way to the ring? There you go. That's our guy. Non-sports. Um, non-sports. Chad, 10 o'clock. I like Chad. TBS. I too like Chad. I watched it. I enjoyed it. Very, very much enjoyed it. It's a good, fun bit. Uh, that's at 10 on TBS. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya and Taylor Swift are on Colbert tonight. Not a package deal, I don't know, but maybe they are. Uh, the Flash, 8 o'clock on CW. Superman and Lois, 9 o'clock. Young Rock, 8 o'clock on NBC. Keenan, 8.30. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is on Fallon. John Stamos, everyone loves John Stamos. He is on Kimmel tonight. Uh, Conan has Jeffrey Dean Morgan stuff and things. Check it all out at Glenn Because Clark apparently Radio. The Walking yeah. Dead is still a thing. It Who is, knew? right? Who knew that that was still a thing? All right, Tubular also brought to you by Home Team Masks, available right now. Pressboxonline.com slash masks. I got my purple and orange state flag net gator mask on. We got the Celebrate 8 net gator. We got the over-the-ear faded distress state flag mask. They're all available. Pressboxonline.com slash masks. Thanks today to the great Dave Parker. Thanks also to uh, Stephen Holder from The Athletic telling us more about Justin Houston, as well as to Bill Ordeen explaining uh, the news that the uh, the sports gambling policies passed last night in the uh, legislature. We'll get all that up in the greatest hits section of the Arch-ize. tab at glennclarkradio.com. Tomorrow. Quinn, so we were supposed to have yes. Quinn Miners on today. That had to be bumped to tomorrow because he ended up having a meeting with a team, and apparently that's more important. Right. Weird bit. Uh, but the uh, center from Wisconsin Whitewater that everybody fell in love with at the Senior Bowl and could be an option for the Baltimore Ravens will join us on the program tomorrow. Uh, Drew Forrester, presumably. Oh, great. Yeah, stuff and things. Patrick. Are we doing this? Oh, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Patrick Stevens? Yeah. I wouldn't. I don't. I don't know. Stuff and things. Sometimes you're particular about what we have on same days and stuff. So I don't well, know I mean, if, if we have to If we have other things that are important, then we can always move something. As I but said, we'll figure it out. Thanks today to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including the U.S. Army, Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, Royal Farms, Chesapeake Employers Insurance, Exxon Mobil, K&S Automotive, C3 American Exteriors, Bradley and Nikki Bozeman Foundation, your local Toyota dealer, and buyatoyota.com. You think when I go get the uh, the shot later today, it'll fix my finger? You no, think that I, I really don't, but you could maybe get some sort of an... Uh, could ask, right? Like, hey, while I'm here, anything uh, you can do about this? Do you remember getting a splinter ever? Yeah, I got plenty of splinters in my life. But I mean, recently. Oh, not recently. Like were you no. handling wood? No, not that I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? No. <laughs> kind of sounds like I was doing something else. Now that I think about it. All right, uh, I'm going to do that today. I'm excited about that. Uh, thanks to everybody. I already did all the thanks. Thanks, Kyle Ottenheimer. Sad lonely man. Follow him on Twitter at k Ottenheimer. Follow us at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday evening. Go Birds. Go Towson Lacrosse. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.